What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 19th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA bud, Eric Marchin. Brr, it's cold out there, Matt. It has been. It has been very cold. It's it's nice and sunny today, though. Yeah, um, a, a rumor is the, the extreme weather warning that we've been having for the past few days is going to be lifted this afternoon. It's cliche it, for when Canadians. When it hits minus to, 11, that's yeah. going to be the warm weather. <laughs> yeah, it's cliche for Canadians to talk about how fucking cold it is but uh, but you know what we 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 persevere and we and we strive and we move on and we still drink our iced coffees damn it yeah i put long johns on yesterday as i tweeted to just go across the street to starbucks yeah. to get uh an iced coffee there was a photo that of a guy who went viral in new york in a blizzard um because he was holding an iced coffee outside. that gentleman is a like, hero he is i shout out to that guy i don't know who he is but uh eric and i are proud iced coffee drinkers for the the entirety of winter. Yeah, because um, we've talked about this before, where it's like, you, you know, there, there's this, there's this certain stigma, shame, a stigma, a stigma, a shame um, to ordering an iced coffee during the winter because it's cold out. You know, coffee is a warm beverage. Yeah, but typically qu- a warm yeah, beverage. Nobody questions you if you order a pop, a soda at yeah, McDonald's during yeah. during the winter. Yeah. You know, like should we invent hot pop so people <laughs> Ew, will be? <laughs> there's got to be someone who's like boiled Coke and like tried to drink it that way or something yeah. like that, right? Should be trademarked. No, gross. Boiled Coke. That's just well, what no, it's it should called. be. Hot, hot, hot pop. Had co- hot coca hot. instead of. Um, yeah, I know. I always thought that. That's what, like, I, I mean, I, whatever. I mean, but it's just funny that I'll get into an elevator a lot and I'll have a iced coffee in the winter. And no matter if I know the person or I've never met them in my life. You get those life, dirty looks. Well, it's not even a dirty looks. People will be like, iced coffee in the winter. Whoa, here. Here's something. And yeah. I'm like, what? again, like if you go to McDonald's and I see you in the elevator with a Coke in a cup with ice, I'm not going to say shit to you. Yeah, but, but no one would uh, because it's just like, oh, well, it's a pop, whatever. Yeah, but, you know, and that. <laughs> or just water even, like a bottle of water. You know? Right, any a cold beverage, yeah. which is like 90% any, of any beverages. Any cold liquid. <laughs> yeah, but God forbid it's a fucking cold coffee. But we both have our gigantic iced coffees because we're recording pretty early today. Um, it's a, Yeah, yeah, we wanted a, to get an early start. I mean, it is as we're recording a Friday, and it's kind of, you know, a little more relaxed, and it's nice and warm in your apartment. So we had a croissant. Yes, we, um, yes, from Mabel's. Shout out to yeah, Mabel's. Shout out to Mabel's, which is near our uh, recording studio, a.k.a. my condo. Yeah, but um, honestly, if you, if you are in... In Toronto or in the GTA somewhere, and and you're looking for one of the best <laughs> croissant experiences ever. Go to Mabel's. It, yeah. it, like the flakiness of them yeah. is it's so good. It's, it's around uh, the Queen and Abel area, so near like the Drake Hotel or um, the Gladstone Hotel. Um, great croissants. They have uh, other like really good pastries and sandwiches and stuff like that. Mabel's is dope. I think they have another location. Maybe on Dundas in like Roncesvalles, um, which is really really good. But then we're just dirtbags who go to the coffee chain and just we don't go to any any local coffee shops because I need my thirty ounces of cold no. brew ice. Well, we coffee, have to but... support the CEO who's going to be running for president. Right, right exactly. Great. I love that. That's where we're headed as a, <laughs> as a fucking world. If you're a CEO of a large conglomerate, you can maybe become the fucking president. Great. I'm surprised Jeff Bezos hasn't put his hat in there. <sighs> I'm not even going to comment on any of that shit. Um, luckily, that hasn't translated to Canada yet. We saw that one fucking Boston Pizza dork who tried right. to. Was it, or is that the guy who owned Boston Pizza? He was on Shark Tank or whatever, right? What's that know. idiot's name? I forget. I, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, I think Andrew Shearer is a bit of a problem, but that's besides the point. I don't like talking about <laughs> politics, politics on this podcast. Yeah. We'll do another uh, politics uh, podcast some other time. 
we won't do yeah. that. Uh, but anyways, if you guys didn't know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Each and every week, Eric and I get together and talk about uh, iced coffee and, and sometimes and movies. And <laughs> And croissants. <laughs> and sometimes movies. Uh, we have a new episode usually each and every week, um, depending on when we can get to record. Uh, but uh, you'll definitely get a new episode at least every week, or we try to. Um, if you like this, we actually have another podcast called Untitled Movie Reviews, which you guys might like. Um, it's a little bit shorter than this. It's about 20, 25-minute episodes where Eric and I kind of uh, review either an upcoming film, a new release film, or something that's on streaming services. So uh, right now we have a review up for uh, Cold Pursuit starring Liam Neeson. Um, which is coming out uh, next Friday. Um, February 8th. February 8th, my birthday, my 30th birthday. Yes. Um, I'll be looking for a retirement home for yeah, you. Yeah, I know. And then we also have reviews up for the Lego Movie 2, the second part, as well as uh, Alita Battle Angel, which are both advanced reviews as well. And if you uh, haven't listened to our review of Serenity, <laughs> please Oh, my do. God, yeah. That's also <laughs> up there. We don't spoil anything, but if you haven't – uh, Serenity is batshit, and uh, we go. We don't talk too long about it because we didn't know how what to actually even say. Yeah, about because it, there but. there is a significant twist about halfway through that does change the way you look at it. But, but we still can't th- stop thinking about it. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's not a good movie, but I almost admire it for making that decision to go there because again, it just you know, takes a leap of faith and it fails completely, but it's kind of amazing. Yeah. It's failure. I keep talking to people and even people who haven't seen it or have no interest in seeing it, they'll be like, have you heard about this twist in serenity? <laughs> Cause like, <laughs> it's just so fucking out of left field. Uh, when we get further away from it, maybe we'll, we should, you know what? We should honestly it, do an audio commentary for, for that. it. Yeah. I don't down. know if I'd want to sit and watch it again, but I know, uh, but if we're, if we're just hanging yeah. out, like having a good time shooting the shit, like yeah. that's, that would be a perfect one to do yeah. a weird commentary for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, how you been though? Otherwise good. I've been okay. Again, like it's just the time of year. It's extremely cold. You, you kind of feel a little bit of the seasonal depression. Yeah. Harder to get thing. out of the house. Yeah. Kind of thing, yeah. Right. I mean, I've been watching a lot more because I've been staying inside and kind of, uh, you know, throwing on uh, Blu-rays that I've been meaning to watch or uh, revisiting um, films that are currently getting a lot of um, studio remakes, specifically foreign language films. We've had a lot uh, like this influx in the last couple uh, of weeks uh, with Cold Pursuit, with Miss Bala, and even The Upside, where you're getting these foreign language uh uh, Americanized versions, and so that are very close to the originals. Too. Yeah, yeah, but they still somehow lose the <laughs> yeah. meaning or the, the 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 what made those movies work in the first place for this sort of sanitized version. Um, you know that this the the multiplex you know crowd will be watching. Right. So we talked about Cold Pursuit, and and you went back and rewatched in the order of disappearance. Yes, which I still think is a really solid. Uh, Nordic uh, crime thriller with this kind of offbeat sense of humor about it but the strength of that movie is that the humor isn't played for laughs it's humorless and that's right. what makes it funny um, and and you know with, with Cold Pursuit it kind of plays everything up like there's a scene in Cold Pursuit and we talked about it on the podcast um, where Liam Neeson's character hires uh, a hitman um, and they're both sitting in the car together and the taxi driver plays uh, Aqua's Barbie Girl where in um, the original version it's just two guys sitting in the car awkwardly in silence and that's actually funnier 
than right. you know laying on like just an taking, additional imagine having to take an joke. Uber with the assassin you just yeah, hired exactly just, and that's all you need yeah and and yeah. it just lays it on thick every time it can and I mean I, you can say well it's it's doing it because you know. A, a, a Norwegian or European audience is much different, or, or, yeah. or you know, compared to a North American audience. And fine, but I mean, the humor is still—it's still—I I still understood what it was going for. Right, and then you also uh, a screening that I skipped, but you did end up seeing it was Miss Bala. Yes, which is out today. Yes, it opened today, and again. The original version, um, not an easy watch. It's very unpleasant at times. Uh, the, one of the most nihilistic films of the last eight years. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, David Ehrlich was the one that really championed uh, the film in 2011, that and Shut Up and Play the Hits. Um, and I saw both of those nearly like back to back when he when he uh, when he tweeted about them, and, and, and I loved both movies. And what. This remake completely misses is that you need this to be dark. You need this to be, uh, you know, depressing and 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 relentless in its in its uh, sort of depiction of uh, a Mexico that's corrupt by the drug cartel. Where this movie turns it into kind of your standard uh, like action, action movie, thriller. and it's very yeah. conventional. Uh, Gina Rodriguez is doing her best. I think Catherine Hard- Hardwick was the wrong choice for directing. It looks cheap and ugly. Yeah. The only thing I enjoyed really about this film was that there were a few young girls behind me that were like talking throughout, and some of the lines that they were saying is like, "Oh." She's shaved, or um, the the lead male who um, is the the drug cartel boss, uh, who's played by Ishmael Cruz Cardova, looks like this uh, male model. So it's hard to take him seriously. But yeah. every time he would come on screen, it's like, oh, his eyes are so piercing, and I'm just like, <laughs> I would I would complain to this person for talking out loud, but you're right. actually making the experience yeah, a little better. You're making great points. Great points. <laughs> yes, he is a sexy man. He's a very handsome gentleman, yeah. but he, that's also part of the reason why I don't believe him as right. This just like scumbag kingpin yeah. because the the original guy who played him was this like Derp, mustached like, yeah. older guy who yeah. was you know taking advantage of all these young women that they were kidnapping and using as a front to get into uh to kill a, the chief of police of Mexico so right. right um but yeah again like i would i would recommend with both in order of disappearance and the original Miss Bala to seek those movies out because there's going to be a lot of people that will see either one and say if they don't like them and say well I won't watch the original one now because they're bad movies or they're just you know probably about the same where I disagree with with that and the exception of you know the plots are the same yeah but the storytelling is much stronger and and less overt right uh, anything else you've been watching? Yeah, I mean, there's, I, there's, I've been watching a lot of stuff just because, yeah. again, the weather has been kind of, yeah. yeah, and and I mean, a lot of stuff has been just kind of rewatching. I, I, I finally caught up with uh, Madeline's Madeline, which I really liked quite a bit. I, I missed it because it was, it played at the Lightbox. Uh, at the end of August, which right. was around the time when uh, TIFF screenings were beginning. So it was just hard to kind of get some time to really get in there and watch something like that. But it's it's really well done. It played at Sundance last year. Um, Helena Howard, I think, is going to be a, a huge star. She's amazing in it. Um, there, yeah, again, like there's nothing that I, I would say. I, I rewatched Waterworld. Uh, okay. Arrow re-released a, <laughs> right. uh, three cuts of the film. There are Jesus. three cuts of this movie. Um, and God, I, I, I remember watching that way back in the day, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid. As a kid, I, I remember enjoying it more 
or th- thinking the, the when the, did it the, come out? It was like the mid nineties. It was like yeah. after Costner won the Oscar for Dances with Wolves, and he had like com- complete control over what he wanted to right. do. So he did that and The Postman, and that basically destroyed his career. Yeah. But Waterworld is way too long. But I like the concept of a, a Mad Max. Uh, soci- dystopian society on the water and there's I mean the scene that everybody talks about is you know Costner filtering his own pee to drink which right, is yeah. a lot of fun but there are <laughs> there are three cuts of the movie and one of them is, is has been you know lovingly referred to as the non-pee cut or the pee cut okay. um, and I just I, I laugh at it now which cut did it. you watch? Uh, the pee cut of course yeah. the pee cut so there's essential. three cuts like what a director's there's cut there's a director's a, the cut theatrical, there's, there's a theatrical then release and then the Costner cut and then there's yeah there's a, the Costner cut which is like the long the Kevin Reynolds who directed the film like the like the the longest version of it and Arrow released this amazing co- like box set with yeah. all three a lot of special features it's it's really really comprehensive and it's like how does this get like right. you know this love and care put into packaging a, 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 a you know a feature of this and I also just laugh at it because I remember when I went to uh, Los Angeles for the first time I went to Universal. Uh, 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 studios, studios, and um, they had a uh, presentation of of Waterworld uh, as, as like a play, and it was just so strange to see Waterworld on. It was like you know, like to have shows like on yeah. ice. It was like Waterworld on water. That's so um, weird. And the pyrotechnics were amazing and funny. And I just remember the Dennis Hopper, the actor who was playing the Dennis Hopper role, comes out and starts listing all like uh, the roles that you've seen these actors in, and they're all like bit parts because they're, you know, small time actors. Right. And he was like, I was on law and order SVU is, uh, uh, rape suspect number three. And I'm like, Jesus. wow. <laughs> and then the other movie I quickly want to mention that I saw, um, that well, is- quick on water world, just yeah, before yeah, we, sure. we move on. I just remember weirdly, I have this attachment of Waterworld and Goldeneye, but Goldeneye the video game. And I don't know where this memory comes from, but or like this intersection uh, of the two. Yeah, weeks. I maybe it's because we were talking about Waterworld when playing the video game Goldeneye for N64, but I remember being at my friends Tyler and Trevor, they were twins. Um, back in the day, this is a dumb story and I don't, no one's going to care, but it's just this weird memory in my head of Waterworld, or maybe it was on VHS or something, or we watched it at their house after we were playing Goldeneye or something like that. But then that's my attachment is like Waterworld and Goldeneye 64 is just like intertwined in my memory. And I can't remember the whole context of it but anyways i was trying to i'm like that was around the same time right yeah, yeah. and it was um, a huge flop it, it, yeah. it like but it was supposed to be a big huge deal right yeah like, it was this it, giant blockbuster right and it was one of the biggest flops of that time right? yeah and then again yeah. like costner also followed that up with him directing the postman which was another dystopian tale that was more of a western that was nearly three hours long that also flopped and that was kind of like the beginning of like the end of him doing these giant studio films that he could have carte blanche or Kate planchette with. yeah um um, but then also the other movie that I watched, because I, I try to force myself to go and see uh, even the crappy stuff, was Replicas with uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh, my God. And, yeah, you did go to see And that. I will yeah. say this. Horrible movie, <laughs> but the visual effects, um, they have like this sort of like robot body that yeah, they're trying yeah, to create I a know, consciousness I, of. I've seen the trailer. It almost looks like effects work from 1986 like something you'd ex- you'd see from uh, the stop motion animation in in a robocop movie yeah um but there's also a robot wearing a suit so sick. there's that sick and it's terrible yeah but, uh yeah so that's what i've been basically watching what about yourself 
Um, you know what? It's kind of same thing. I've been hibernating. I, I haven't really gotten out to see much other than um, those few reviews that I said we have up. So I left the house to see Lego Movie 2, um, which you guys can check out our review. Um, and Alita Battle Angel, um, speaking of robots who dress up. Right. <laughs> but that, that looked probably much better than replicas. Um, yeah, just a little. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've uh, been following along with the kind of funny in review that uh, I talked about way back when they were doing MCU and X-Men and Spider-Man. Uh, they're doing Fast and Furious right now, which I mentioned. So I went back and I've been rewatching all of those. So uh, I think last week I talked about that I watched The Fast and the Furious and Too Fast, Too Furious. So now I've gone through and I watched uh, Tokyo Drift. I also watched Fast and Furious. And then I also watched Fast Five because I've gotten ahead a little bit. Um, I find myself like I should... They do it once a week, and you're supposed to follow along once a week, but, like, I kind of get in the mood of these franchises, and then I just, like, keep watching them because I want to see the next one, so I right. get a little bit ahead. Um, but it's also just fascinating with this franchise, specifically oh my God. the we're evolution. We're going to talk about, um, today they dropped the Hobbs and Shaw trailer as a little teaser of what's coming uh, up. Excuse me, Fast uh, and Furious presents, presents Hobbs, Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino presents Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Um, we're going to talk about by Mattel. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, uh, which it, we're we'll go way in deep into that later. But um, you know what? Watching these movies, um, I don't think I've ever watched them like right after one another. In I succession? think it's yeah. Usually, I just I haven't gone back to rewatch all of them. Usually, it's like I'll. I think even before Fast Eight, I don't. Think I feel I went like you kind of almost like, need a break between them just right, so you can like, like decompress. Re- yeah, yeah, well, like, also you can regain some of your 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 brain cells that you yeah. lost watching. Yeah, that but thing. I, dude, I I'm amazed at where that franchise uh, started and where it is now. Yeah, um, and it from going from like a a kind of very not kind of but very cheesy point break kind of rip off uh well everybody with, mentioning stealing dvd ma- yeah, players machismo, and drinking machismo yeah and, and coronas machismo kind of thing and like it's the first movie's enjoyable in its own right just cuz it's so kind of corny um the second one's just boring and then tokyo drift i always remembered fucking hating and think it was garbage but like i just remember watching tokyo drift on dvd with my dad way back um very distant from the first two movies just watching it on a, on a limb and i feel like it, it works better when you when you're invested in it in the sense of like you just when you watch these movies you just have to your point shut off your brain because you know you're going to be losing some brain cells oh yeah and just go into it and and i enjoyed tokyo drift and i i well you I, especially love teen idol youthful uh, idol <laughs> lucas, lucas black, black who looks like an 87 year old man <laughs> that receding like, hairline his receding hairline is fucking five o'clock shadow and his stupid there accent would, it would be amazing um, if that movie had a scene where it's like we're we're you know we're, we're taking a field trip to tokyo so uh, uh we're gonna need your parents to fill out these uh these permission <laughs> sean forms. you're okay though <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sean we know you're a 38 year old man um yeah, and he's awful. Lucas Black is, and I. There's a reason I think they've only had him come back. Uh, spoilers as a, a cameo one other time, because um, he's terrible. Right. Uh, Han uh, Sun Kang. Yes. Is awesome. Um, and it's weird because I can't necessarily articulate why he's so cool, but, but he's he just, just kind of is. Yeah, exactly. And like, um, 
just him eating all the time and just kind of just just calm, cool. Well, he's kind of like carrying on like, Tyrese's tradition of being hungry. Yeah, but he doesn't have to tell everyone. No, no he just, just doesn't, man. But he's just a chill dude, and yeah. I think he's just he's so cool and suave and like. And then also and, Justin Lin kind of bringing that yeah. character in from Better Luck Tomorrow, which was his directorial, debut. right? Which is essentially the same character, yeah. right? Um, and. Uh, I think Justin Lin, I mean, it's the first film he did in the franchise, and I think the racing is actually much better than it was in, like, the actual car stunts and stuff. You can tell that he's slowly getting towards what he eventually does in Fast Five and and, and Six. Right. Um, Cars are still ugly um, as hell, though. They are, yeah, but it's of the time, right? Like, and I mean, there was a time where I thought that was cool, but I was also... 12 yeah. or something Souped right up cars, bro. yeah i mean the american muscle cars are kind of cool but a lot of the import kind of neon lights with all the graphics on the side like um bow wow's fucking hulk car is awful well there's it's another so thing that's kind of dated like, about it like casting um, bow wow in in a lead role right it's, yeah but i mean it worked like you brought you bring Ludacris back after the second one right as where he had this giant afro and he and then he becomes a tech genius but by dude Ludacris transcends time i mean space, yeah where, where bow wow does <laughs> feel like of the right. early 2000s yeah Ludacris right? is still cool but, yeah. Bow but it, it's funny so as well with um with lucas black popping back up in in was it seven or eight seven seven, seven um yeah. it's like he looks he's only like older one but he's supposed to be but he's like the yeah. same age well yeah because it's not not much time is supposed to be yeah because right? that's like, the other thing continuity wise it's a little Tokyo fucked, drift takes yeah place later well, on the right? thing is so yeah tokyo drift watching it's obviously they retcon that um, with the Han stuff. I don't want to get too much into spoilers in case people haven't watched them, but they're old movies. But um, yeah, you can tell people liked that character so much that I think that ending really works in Tokyo Drift and brings some emotion to a movie that probably needed it. Yeah. Um, but they pro- I think they immediately regretted it because they had to retcon it because they're like, oh, we really like this character and we want him to be part of future ones. And then you saw in Fast and Furious, he has a cameo. And I think that was supposed to be it. Like, oh, that's how we'll kind of Fast and Furious was supposed to be the only one that probably took place just before Tokyo Drift. But then they're like, oh, fuck, people really like Han. We should bring him back. And then he's in the next two movies. And uh, they kind of had to alter everything. And to have Tokyo Drift take place after Fast 6 and even... No, just Fast 6. Yeah. Um, But then in between Fast 6 and 7 is very bizarre. And it doesn't really make much sense. But then again... To your point of shutting your brain off, like right, who it doesn't, matter. and it's also interesting like, that Tokyo continuity is not one thing that I'm like, oh, I don't know about right, that, right, right, especially with the yeah the fast movies, but and it's also interesting that that Tokyo Drift specifically was going to be the beginning of the direct to video franchise yeah. of them, and then Universal saw p- potential in what just well, Lin I think was Vin doing, Diesel so. almost saved it, right? Because yeah. I feel like without his cameo at the end, it probably <laughs> the only reason he did that was because he wanted to get the rights to Riddick, yeah, yeah, so he could make that movie, and um. So I feel like the only reason it was actually in theaters is because they're like, well, I feel like if we bring Vin in it at the end, it brings some legitimacy to it and um, or else it is. I mean, th- again, I think the, the drifting and the, the car stunts are quite good and um, and I in- weirdly enjoyed it. Yeah, you just kind of have to embrace its cheesiness yeah. and its bad dialogue and Lucas Black still is the worst. Yep. And, it's got a home improvement um, uh, reference Yeah, there. what's his name? I forget. Zachary Ty Bryan, yeah. I think is his name. And uh, at the beginning... <laughs> um, and 
it's it's okay. It's and then I um then I watch Fast and Furious, which you can tell is starting to get towards that ridiculousness that they get into. You but, mean the return of Michelle uh, Rodriguez? Yeah, <laughs> which they and then they weirdly get rid of her it, right it away. Becomes, and then, it, it becomes a soap opera. Yeah, you know, like at that which point, which is fine. They were always a soap opera, but right. like a, a macho soap opera, yeah, meathead, like, meathead yeah, soap yeah, opera, yeah. which is fine. Which is like sometimes you just want that man. And then Fast and Furious, I don't think is great. I think it's probably the second worst. One. It's just kind of forgettable. Uh, yeah, that's what I think. And I think same with Too Fast, Too Furious. It's not like they're offensively bad. They're just kind of boring. And like um, – Although you do forget like when, when they bring back for Fast – I think it was Fast and Furious 6, John Ortiz and um, yeah. uh, Shea Wiggum. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, they were in 4 as yeah, well. Yeah, so it's just weird stuff like that, right? People pop up and you're like, oh, fuck, they were in that movie or the crime boss from whatever movie comes back to, I think. But like – um, so Fast and Furious, kind of forgettable. Um, all I remember is them, yeah, yeah killing off. Well, we're spoiling shit now. Sorry, everyone. But like Letty, um, we're not then, really like, spoiling it because yeah, she did die. She, yeah, I know. And then I'm not quite. <laughs> Somehow there she did not yeah. die. <laughs> uh, we'll say, yeah. Um, and then I watched Fast Five, which is just fucking magnificent, man. Like that's when they finally. Like those movies just take a, a left turn and uh, just, you know, well, they change lanes and they stop. I think the first four movies were still trying to be somewhat serious or grounded. But they were also still um, hanging on to the concept of like fast street cars racing and, and sexy women yeah, and all that kind of girls stuff. making out. Yeah. And yeah. Shots like, of asses. Kind of like, like the gross exploitive yeah. quality of the early 2000s. And then with Fast Five and the addition of bringing the, the, rock, the rock classes yeah. things up, um, they just became a solid heist action movie. And like yeah. that safe chase in Rio is The train fantastic. sequence is amazing yeah. where they're uh, and then they or in Brazil when they're um, just like yeah. in close quarters and they're actually exploring the region itself like the parkour stuff yeah. of him like the rock chasing uh, and it's obviously um, taking some um, you know notes from Casino Royale and yes and 100% yeah. and there's just so many fucking great action sequences in that and just they still have that machismo kind of cheesy dialogue and like um, and it's like the Avengers of the Fast movies because you're bringing in a couple characters from Too Fast Too Furious you're bringing in people from all of the uh, like a character from Tokyo Drift you're bringing in everyone from all of these different movies that never really got to The Rock has uh, a goatee in yeah, this one to engage with each other right and then you bring in The Rock as this fucking ridiculous like uh, special agent and um, it's it, it's it, it's fucking rad man and Fast Five is legit uh, a great action movie. Yeah, it's like, it, it is still my favorite of. of I the think series. so. Like I'm gonna go and rewatch the other ones right after and and keep ranking them. But um, it's gonna be hard to top uh Fast Five or to crack like, that safe. But I mean, I know they get <laughs> more and more ridiculous. So and yeah. I remember, I think the same thing will happen with my Marvel rewatches. Some of them where I was like getting a little bit tired of them when seeing them every two years or something where I was like, eh, it was fine, but it was more of the same. Yeah. Cause the, the like, formula is just yeah. kind of, they're, they're working it out to begin with, but they're kind of keeping in line with the continuity and they're just predictably falling into place. But then you get some odd ones that kind of are, are, you know, more director friendly or yeah. at least have something that's kind of interesting that you take, you know, C level characters and make them, 
compelling. I exactly, mean, who yeah. would have thought the Guardians would have been the film that it, yeah, it, it was? So, and I feel like with lowered expectations, and I'm watching them at home, and I'm watching them one after another, and I'm more invested into. We made fun of the continuity, but the the cheesiness of bringing back people from the dead or other characters showing up or. Uh, no one truly like, dies in a yeah, fast movie. Yeah, so that's the soap opera element of it, right? And it's kind of, they actually are, I think, more enjoyable, although they're great on the big screen, they're spectacles, but like watching them in succession, like week after week, um, as like almost this ridiculous soap opera series is like a lot of fun. But so. they also do kind of str- like do blend together still, like even though I love. You forget which sequence is from what movie, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, that's kind of how... You're like, is that the one with the safe or is that yeah, the one with but that's the, how i remember the submarine yeah, is that right. the one with the tank or is that the one with the airstrip that never ends yeah no that's the next one i think that yeah airstrip, that's like six. that's like a hundred million miles long yeah um, that they just keep cutting back to but you almost just forgive it because you're like eh, whatever who cares? right who cares yeah. right kurt like, russell's in it He's oh got my god i forgot they keep bringing in people like kurt russell as and, mr nobody oh god it's so good um so yeah we'll be talking about uh uh Hobbs and Shaw coming up in a few minutes. And then uh other than that, I watched uh rewatched a Lego movie before Lego movie two. Not much to say there other than it's still great. Everything is still awesome. Um Phil Lord and Chris Miller are are, are fantastic as as we've seen recently, even with uh I know they didn't direct either movie, but well, they still great, wrote, wrote and, and produced with Spider Verse yeah. and Lego Movie Two. Um I think they are just on another level when it comes to um uh, writing and just even animated movies right now. And then, um, and then I watched, uh, I'm on my 99 cent rental shit on iTunes, which is, uh, where I, I watch most of these kind of generic comedies that came out over the last right. uh, like couple of years. So, uh, I know in a recent episode, I talked about tag being a pleasant surprise for me because I watched it for 99 cents. And now my latest 99 cent review is the spy who dumped me, which I, again, thought was pretty good like I, I don't know with comedies like if my expectations are super low and i'm just chilling at home and i'm mellowed out and i just want to watch something kind of dumb and fun like uh well those movies uh, especially i think are, are best suited like yeah it's still fun to see a movie with they're an good plain movies right yeah, like exactly. that's what i mean like that's why i don't mind suggesting them for 99 cents like yeah if i had to go review this movie or pay for it in a theater maybe i'd be a little more critical but um i thought the spy who dumped me was perfectly enjoyable i think not everything works um some jokes just completely fall flat Uh, others are really funny i like kate mckinnon a lot i thought some of the action sequences were brutal and um way better than i was expecting them to be like when it came from an action uh standpoint i just thought it would look cheap or or um but I, I like the idea of, uh, again, we talked about a macho buddy, like not cop, a buddy movie, like road uh, action movie and doing that from a female perspective about this asshole guy who was a spy that, uh, that dumped her. Oh, there's the title. Right. Um, but I just... Male I, nudity. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's some <laughs> ball sack in there. It's great. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it, it's great, man. Like, I, I mean, not great, but like it's... The ending, um, the experience of watching it at home, right, at, with Nevis, is great. and like that's yeah. what I mean. I, Nevis and I watched it. There would be like we would laugh very hard, and then another joke, we would turn to each other and go, "That did, 
not work no. at all. And both Tag um, and, and the Spyro Dummy have uh, the Crash Test Dummy song. Yeah, it, so. yeah. And um, I think the ending kind of almost ruins it. Like, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I just feel like how it wraps up. And, like, with the love story with her and that other spy. Right. Um, I Although think I kind of like w- with Kate McKinnon in the scene where she, she's doing the Cirque du Soleil stuff. And, again, how violent that gets. Yeah, yeah. But also uh, the gymnasium sequence. Like, I didn't like the movie, but I was taken aback by how mean it was at times. Like, it wasn't afraid to really endanger or hurt the main characters. Yeah. Like, you know, it was it was just as um, thrilling or harrowing at times as any, any Bond movie. You yeah. Know? Like, it actually puts those characters through the ringer. And that's what I kind of like, is that it was a legit spy movie with some pretty decent comedy in it and it's just that that fish out of water kind of like these two girls who have no business being here but um but can kind of get through it 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 was kind of interesting and I, i thought it was better than again expectations are a lot of this where my expectations were so low that i feel like that's what played a part into me enjoying it but i i don't think that's a bad thing and i um i thought it was funny and i would suggest it like if you can get it for cheap or if it comes on netflix sometime like i would if you're sitting at home or on an airplane or or whatever it's it's it passes uh, the time exactly like so i kind of i kind of liked it um yeah and that's pretty much what i've been watching so Yeah. yeah 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 uh as we talked about, very, very cold out. So uh, we got some suggestions if you want to stay at home and watch some things right now. It's um, chilly willy out there, Matt. Eric, we yes. got a big announcement about a new streaming service. Oh, yes. So uh, the Criterion Channel announced this week that they will be launching on April 8th. Um, but charter members and anybody wanting to um, sign up can now. Um, and leading up to the release on every Wednesday before uh, April 8th, they will be uh, releasing or or at least uh, streaming a pick of the week. So the film that they have started with is the movie that I recommended uh, on the last podcast. Uh, Are you programming for them? (laughs) Yes. Well, it it did get its release. And it also played at the Lightbox uh, uh, last year, which is Elaine May's, uh, Mickey and Nikki with John Cassavetes and Peter Falk. And um, I think it's a really, really dark, twisted little hitman movie. Um, and it's just a shame that Elaine May, who's on Broadway right now, um, her career was kind of tarnished after directing Ishtar. Which, I mean, Ishtar is a terrible film, but if it was a male director who had that kind of failure, they would be able to rebound. And I think at that time, like, you know... Elaine May was quote unquote given the shot or the opportunity to make this big budget film with uh, Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman and it bombed spectacularly both financially and critically and she just never recovered from that and I just it's a shame because I think we would have gotten a lot more really interesting stuff from her she also did a new leaf and um, yeah it's just it's just a shame and but Mickey and Nikki is definitely worth um, checking out and it, it again it's extremely dark brutal at times um john cassavetes is amazing at playing assholes yeah yeah for sure but it's cool that it's uh criterion channel coming to canada that's awesome yeah. like i'm i'm really excited for that like i know we have um 
uh, Canopy, which has a selection of Criterion films. It doesn't have everything. Though, no. So um, this should be interesting um, if it has Criterion's complete library as well as some other stuff that's going to be on there. Yeah, and, and then, you're um, still paying for – I mean, it's 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 nine ninety nine, but it's uh, but U.S. If you, and if you sign up for a year, you get a bit of a discount. Yeah, but I still think it's, it's really – like, it's great for people that are – collecting blu-rays and maybe you need to budget and and what have you and, and have to consider that because the individual discs as much as i am a physical media 35 dollars yeah. More, yeah so this is this is this is a great investment and it you know some of the world's greatest films are at your fingertips yeah I'm, so i highly recommend that's my pick of the week yeah i'm just the criterion channel in general yeah. yeah i'm i'm quite excited for it i've been messing around on canopy a little bit and um but there are certain things that just aren't on there so uh I, i'm kind of excited for that channel to launch for sure um, I wanted to go quickly into uh, Nutcracker in the Four Realms. You was fucking re- would. Yeah. Uh, was released on uh, 4K and Blu-ray this week. Um, I A movie I didn't see in theaters. You did. Yep. Uh, which, I sure yeah, did. And you weren't a huge fan. It's awful. Um, I will say, though, that like with... Oh, shit. I just dropped. <laughs> you should. You should um, always drop it. Um, the 4K looks really nice. And, I mean, I don't... I, I Again, that... I say that with a grain of salt because I feel like Disney does but, do a great job at right. their transfers. Right, but sometimes studios but, don't put that effort in. Like, the, like yeah. you know, a Blu-ray transfer is good enough. Like, you right. know, actual attention to detail and making sure that it's of quality is there. So if you are going to buy it, you're at least getting your money's worth yeah. in terms of, you know, making it a demo disc for right. your home. And I'm sure— And it's know, a good look. Like it, uh, like I no. mean, I mean for 4K HDR stuff. Right, right. I but mean, the film but itself, like, I will, I will, I will fight you on. Yeah, it's not a good-looking movie. Right, and it's I just, guess, but it's. I mean, it's it, part of the problem was because it it went through massive reshoots and yeah, replacement of lots. Oh, totally. Of I just Joe mean Johnston. from a visual standpoint for yeah. 4K. Or the whatever. critic of me is coming out. Totally, now, so. and that's totally fine and yeah. fair. Like I again, I didn't really enjoy. Uh, much of what I watched, yeah. I just uh, uh, it was something Nevis wanted to see, and I wanted to pick up and, and kind of check out what it looked like on um, in Atmos and in in 4K HDR. And again, I, I do applaud Disney for doing a really good job at their transfers and releasing stuff on 4K. Um, although something like Christopher Robin didn't get a 4K release, but then something like this does, right? Right, which is kind of interesting. But which was I, a bigger bomb than Christopher? Like Christopher yeah, Robin did. Fine. But I just feel like that's maybe because of the tone of the movies and that, again, like I mentioned, the only reason why I said it looks good is because it's colorful. It's kind of um, like, I mean, I just, I guess it pops a little bit more in 4K than something maybe like a Christopher Robin, which is a little bit more dull and maybe you just don't, they think you don't need it in Say 4K. it's too British? Um, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I like Christopher Robin. I, I mean, but like, like I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a fan of the movie and I can't yeah. recommend it, but I will say this. I am. I don't know I if very, I can recommend I'm, it I'm either. I'm very but. intrigued. By the 4K upcoming release for uh, The Little Mermaid. A hundred percent, man. And like, again, with uh, you got me Lion King for Christmas, which I haven't actually sat down and watched yet. Oh, the opening scene. Oh, we did watch the opening scene in 4K and and it looks phenomenal, right? So I I do applaud Disney for going through and- They are taking care of their um, their back catalog. And even a movie that did kind of bomb at the box office and, and, um, but I can see this doing well. And I feel like it it is more for a younger audience, right? Yeah. And and I don't know if I I can really- is a good story, right? And I just feel that not just this version, but the Nutcracker in general, there really hasn't been 
you know, a definitive version, and and it's one that's it's it's like a tough Robin nut Hood. to crack, <laughs> yeah, uh, or King Arthur, um, so to speak. Yeah, exactly like that. Like yeah. ro- like like Robin Hood, King Arthur. This there there's stuff that the, the the property is there for any studio to take a whack at or a stab at, but. They, they just they haven't found a way to make it work and i liked the kid who would be king but i mean i'm not surprised that it's lost 50 million dollars in uh you know marketing and box office like it, it was not going to sell yeah and neither did this but uh, but again like it was it had so many problems behind the scenes and not to mention morgan freeman yeah being in it. right but i think that's a lot of stuff we'll notice right where like right. I, I don't know from a family perspective of what people thought but i could see this doing okay and i i I, I don't know if I can suggest it. I just didn't. I, it's just really not for me. It's, it's now um, available in both at, at, on iTunes and, uh, and, 4K. and physical as a physical media release. And if you want to give it a chance. It's only 99 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's there. Yeah. And the special features, there's not really much on there. And that's probably because of all the production problems, I'm assuming. Yeah. Like, See, I would have um, been more curious about that. But like, they're not going to show No, I know. You'll never like, see that. Yeah. You will never. You, but if they, if they were... To have released one that actually went through what happened on that, I would I be would totally watch right because yeah. Joe Johnston stepping in and, and getting a co-director credit and and but really the the Blu-ray has I mean what's interesting is they 4K discs never really have any special features you usually have to no. go over to the Blu-ray for it but um, which they luckily give you both um, not just which I think maybe movie, that's but. also a nice thing as well is that you get. If you're buying the 4K release, you are getting the Blu-ray as well yeah, which and a digital is, copy. Which not a lot of – they sort of stopped doing that, most studios, or do most of them still do? I don't Some of them do. Physical, I mean it, the, the, the major studios do. The smaller yeah, ones sometimes don't. don't. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it is nice to have both the Blu-ray and the 4K yeah. if you're spending that much money And if on you're it. lending it to a family member that doesn't necessarily have a 4K player or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, special features, they just kind of have a, a, a basic behind the scenes and some deleted scenes and some music videos, which is like not really much on there. But, right. um, but yeah, it's, again, not for me. I thought it, like, again, like most of Disney stuff, like sometimes I, I had an issue with um, some Disney uh, 4Ks looking too dark. Um, but I think you just have to play with your settings on your TV because HDR can both make the colors look better, but then also sort of, if this makes sense, darken the image a little bit. Yeah, it um, almost looks like when like, um, uh, you know, like the sun's on it yeah. or something and then like it's it's hard to see it. At yeah, times. but you it's just I think like... have to like I adjusted my um, settings on my 4K TV to when Roma came out, Stun. Alfonso Cuaron put out like, here's what your setting should be for your TV to watch Roma. I know a black and white movie, but they, some people like a, 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 a little bit more of a warmer color palette, which can, I feel like darken the image a little bit because it's a little right. bit more yellow or confuse um, horrible online bloggers that it's, uh, that there's a colorized color, version. We won't even get into that, but yeah, I don't know if I can suggest Nutcracker in the four realms. Um, maybe next Christmas, if you have a young, a young kid, I don't, I don't know why right now you'd maybe want to pick it up. Yeah. Um, again, like I, a lot of this stuff, I just feel like isn't really made for us. And, um, and this is, I mean, a lot of Disney stuff is, but uh, this is one of them where I'm like, it looks 
good on 4K, but I can't really suggest uh, that you pick it up right now. I can't um, either. I, um, I mean, I can't recommend it in general. But I, but again, I am happy that Disney now is in the 4K uh, physical yes, media Yes, exactly, because it took them a while, um, right? And you guys... So I appreciate if you, that. If anybody at Disney is listening, <laughs> please release The Great Mouse Detective on 4K soon, because mm-hmm. I would I would buy that. So I would buy Aladdin. I would buy basically anything. Well, I think but, Aladdin will come this year. I think, yeah. I, I think that's kind of what is great about like if you if if you don't care about the live action remakes at least the silver lining is for some of these movies is that maybe that will also get will get the 4k releases of the original version so i can see aladdin coming out um the toy story films i'm sure will, oh, will that get would, 4k yeah, releases i really really hope. um so yeah like i mean that's kind of great to see their back catalog getting that kind of attention and i'd actually be very curious to see some of their older titles from the 50s and 60s if they still have those prints and can get a 4k yeah like i want to see what like what what dumbo would look like on 4k or, or bambi or something a lot of these like movies that. still look great on blu-ray but oh, yeah, you get yeah. that little bit of a when you have that hdr and, and and that uh whether it's dolby vision or even adult sometimes they do a dolby atmos uh remix track can you grab the lion king blu-ray yeah, sure i'm just going you? to uh, grab the lion king uh, 4k it's right there i just want to see if they did an atmos track for it or if they just kept the the dolby either 6.1 or 7.1 um i'm back there is a Dolby Atmos track on uh, Lion King, so they did a remixed uh, Dolby Atmos. Um, uh, God, I want—I'm so close to picking up um, a Dolby Atmos like sound system. Right. <laughs> like, it's the one thing. Like, I've—I've I've never been a. I'm more focused on a visual than the audio, so I'm usually okay with like a, a sound bar. I don't necessarily need like a surround sound system or something like that. I mean, good sound is important. Usually, it, for me, it's the yeah. dialogue is the most. Especially important. when you're buying it at Bay um, Blue Radio. Oh yeah, the right price <laughs> for the right sound. <laughs> uh, I keep uh, hesitating on. Uh, I have a Vizio sound bar right now, just a basic one that I bought for like a hundred bucks, and it sounds quite good, but like. Um, Vizio released last year a, um, a Dolby Atmos um, soundbar with two rear speakers and a subwoofer. So it, you kind of get that 5.1.2. So it bounces sound off your ceiling to give you that Dolby Atmos kind of all around you, all encompassing sound. Yeah. And it's uh, it's on sale right now for 500 bucks at, at Costco. And I was like this close. Now, to like- if you do eventually get that. Yeah. Would you give Roma another shot? I would, yeah. yeah. No, and I think that's when I, I, I – Dolby – because I have right now, for people listening, just my setup at home is like I have a 55-inch LG OLED 4K TV, which is capable for Dolby, Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. It has a Dolby Atmos sound in the TV. But the TV sound isn't – you just don't – in a thin TV like that, the speakers aren't great, right? Yeah. So I threw in my – pretty cheap Vizio soundbar just to get good dialogue sound and I don't have a subwoofer or rear speakers or anything but our friend um, um Mike Munts yeah. is is like a true connoisseur of the entertainment home system yeah, and he, he loves it really has like one of the best I've ever seen yeah he's the one who suggested the LG OLED to me because he has the 65 inch 3D version that siren of, is not through Dolby yeah, Atmos no it's on our end we um, get a lot of sirens coming through here Queen like, Street you, gets especially with the winter I feel like with the no one knows how to fucking drive in the winter either no. here in well as soon as snow hits like, the ground everybody forgets yeah it's just a nightmare a, yeah, so it's just so you get constant sirens on Queen Street because we also have like a right down the street there's a um like an ambulance kind of uh, hub 
yeah. uh, down the street as well as, um, and it's just been a nightmare cause street cars aren't running really. It's buses and it's just been well, also like gas. Like I had to fill up today and, um, I had to go to like two different, um, gas stations because there was no regular. Oh really? Because they, they're, they're not getting the trucks in on time so because of the weather cold yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But um anyways yeah nutcracker in the four realms available right now on uh as eric mentioned on digital uh blu-ray and 4k if you want to pick it up right if um, you want to pick it if up you but want to. if you want an alternative to that it's also a disney movie the lion king yeah the lion king is now available as well which i will suggest you should pick up and i would it, too wholeheartedly it's, yeah it's it one of my favorite movies of all time and it's uh seeing that animation in in 4k I just can't believe how good it's it looks and still looks. Um, so definitely, uh, if you want to pick up Lion King, also available. Uh, I have a few suggestions for um, people who have Apple TVs, which is my um, uh, distributor of choice when it comes to movies nowadays. Right. Um, oh, and quickly with the yeah. Criterion Channel, we should mention that the the app will be available in April as is well. It? Okay. Yeah, because there's were not that one yet. No, there's yeah. not it's it's just on uh on your computer. Okay, fair. Yeah. So I am excited for the app to come yeah. out and see how that is. For Apple TV and probably yes, other for, uh, like everything, everything will be yeah. launched around on April 8th. Cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Uh so the things I wanted to message uh or uh suggest uh Sorry to Bother You is eight dollars on iTunes, which I think is is quite worth it. And then um there's a bunch of four K movies on for ten dollars or less. So um, these could be nine ninety nine. Some are ten items or less. Yeah, some are seven ninety nine, six ninety nine. But um, some movies I wanted to give a shout out that you can pick up in four K for less than ten dollars: uh, The Shape of Water, uh, Silence of the Lambs, La La Land, Unforgiven. Uh, Gene on, Hackman yeah, celebrating his 89th birthday, birthday like recently. Um, Bridge on the River Kwai, uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, uh, Groundhog Day, uh, which is a great movie to watch. Uh, is Groundhog Day tomorrow? Isn't it February 2nd or is it the first Monday or Tuesday? I don't know. Um, whatever. I, I think we're it's living in Groundhog Day just yeah. on a repetitive loop. <laughs> uh, Lawrence of Arabia is in 4K for less than $10. Uh, Rocky, we uh, Eric and I reviewed all the Rocky movies back. If you want to go follow along with that, you can watch the – I think most of them are in 4K on iTunes now. And uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is also available in 4k for less than ten dollars for those who didn't get to enjoy sundance and want to uh enjoy the sundance kid yeah uh these are on the itunes canada store so i apologize if we have any international or american listeners um most of these things that we talk about are usually in the canadian store right although eric buys most of his uh uh, Blu-rays and 4Ks uh, from an American website. I do. Amazon.com. He baby. hates that French. I do. Well, um, you got to admit, it's bad. Like, it I'm not is. against, like, a French-titled Blu-ray or 4K, but when you have both on, on the same, the thing. same yeah. like, it's just, it's, it's just this ugly clash of wording that oh, dude, just takes I, up the whole... Uh, I'm with you. I'm very particular. Like, I... I am particular, but not enough to buy all my stuff from the U.S., but, right. like, I appreciate – we always talked about how Fox did their slipcovers very well. Yeah. Disney does a good job, although I think they might be switching it, which sucks. Um, oh, we'll see with uh, – we'll we'll keep you guys posted with uh, uh, Little Mermaid and uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Um, Blu-ray cover uh, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> Blu-ray cover updates. Yeah. But anyways. Uh, so that's uh, staying at home, what we suggest. Anything else you wanted to suggest or that? That's uh, no, that's yeah. good. But I, I wanted to quickly mention um, – I, I completely forgot to talk to you about it before we, we started doing uh, the show. Um, 
it's not a it's not a uh, Blu-ray recommendation, but it's it's an article that I think people should check out. Uh, Phil Brown recently right, yeah. uh, posted a really um, touching, heartbreaking, um, honest um, look at the behind the scenes of being a journalist in the entertainment industry, it's especially on, in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, it's on now Toronto, and it's called "Why I Quit Entertainment Journalism." and you know, if, if you if you follow Phil Brown on Twitter or if you've met him, uh, his his you know uh, self deprecating style of humor is very much throughout the, uh, the 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 article. But it's also a very um, honest piece of writing that is truthful to how hard it is to sort of maintain a substantial living on and working in this industry and how, you know, opportunities are becoming less and less uh, available. And even if you are someone of Phil stature, who is a great writer and has worked for many, many years, that it doesn't always mean that you're going to, um, you know, be in a place that you should be. And, you know, reading this article was, um, it hits at home. And uh, yeah, it was a very sombering like, yeah. reminder of that. And it's just, again, I think anybody, not to discourage anybody who wants to become a film critic or a writer, but, I mean, you should definitely be aware that it's not a, an industry where you're you're going to be financially sound. You know? No, and we've seen that recently with the BuzzFeed layoffs. Today, Vice announced that they are laying off, I think, uh, a good chunk of their media division, and we keep seeing that. And that's not necessarily just in the film industry, but... I mean, yeah, for people who know my story is that I had to, I left for a while. Right. And I mean, we continued to kind of, I would come on cinema scene and I would help uh, you out or we would talk movies on certain things, but I left the film industry or film criticism industry to go into marketing just because I had to, right? Like I had to, I, much like what Phil mentions in his article is that there's, there just wasn't much money there or else you'd be hustling and people either, Take advantage uh, yeah, of you. Or and... just like there weren't very many opportunities or it's a very not, – I don't want to say cutthroat, but um, you can be replaced very easily with someone who is willing to do something for free or for exposure or something like yeah. that. And, and I mean – BuzzFeed. There was, You're getting paid uh, in experience is yeah, always the line that the some worst. people use. And, yeah. I, and I eventually figured out – fuck that i'm not doing that anymore and like we've done it i mean i'll openly talk shit about toronto film scene and like how that whole experience was garbage for me and you yeah well they treated you um, specifically like like shit and i will openly say that that was fucking awful that whole thing of like getting paid like fucking five or ten dollars an article or basically being treated like shit because they wanted you to be a full-time employee but they or they wanted you, you to even be um, more positive towards canadian yeah, films that was just because it is a canadian and movie just, that's a whole other thing but i just mean from the like you're working for experience bullshit and like sometimes you can get caught up into like well oh i'll get a tiff badge or i'll get this or i'll get access to screenings early and again me and you right now like we're doing this why I don't mind doing this for nothing. I love doing this. I love I, doing this. One, it's fun. Two, we're doing it for ourselves. Yeah. So if you want to do it as a hobby, but you get to see some movies early and you get to talk about it and do what you enjoy, that I understand. Right. But it's this whole thing of like, you have to be realistic too of like, can is this sustainable as a living? I think it, it can be, but it don't expect that... It can be for everyone, and there's a very small amount of jobs. And it can just burn you out too. It can burn you out, and like again, with uh, we've seen with YouTubers and 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 things like that, like it can be successful, but don't think it. 
Like it's not realistic to think it can happen, but it's there's a small chance. And even this is me and you are doing this as a you're doing it as a career, and I'm doing it as a, a career slash hobby, and it is what I love. But I but you're doing um, it on your own terms as well, which I really appreciate and like as well. And I mean, so am I. I mean, I'm trying to do it like the way that I want to do it. Yeah. But it takes time, and but you just should be aware of the 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 industry that you're getting into, like any yeah. industry that you know things are changing. But you know, going back to what what Phil is talking about, it's just you know, like it is disheartening but at the same time what he writes is very truthful and relatable to anybody that has been in this field and he does it in such a way that you understand where he's coming from and there's something in there that he talks about one specific person who um had had ripped him off um that has ripped off a number of people including um, you including myself and and i just felt like i'm not alone you know and this this article really really got to me in that way yeah i completely agree and um it's, so if you want to read it like again like it's now called it's why i quit uh entertainment journalism on now and it's in their uh movie and tv section yeah it's um, a it's great i i shot phil a message and and told him that i i was in a similar boat as him and again i've i've dipped my toe back into this but i'm doing it mostly because I'm doing it for myself and yes, we're trying to build something here. And I, I feel like, again, when you're working for yourself, I think it's okay to be doing it for free because I feel like it's still okay to be building your, a portfolio or showcasing, but eventually you need to showcase it to someone to try to get paid to do this and don't work for someone else if they're not paying you. And I just, I, I really believe in that. And, um, I, I've just learned to be like, unless it's it's up to my standards of how much I think I deserve to be paid, uh, especially when I've worked in marketing now and know how people should be paid and, and, and know your worth. Um, it's just a tough industry. And eventually, yeah, I'm going to have to get back into marketing and I'm going to have to. And sure, I would love to work in the entertainment industry, whether it's in marketing or whether it's in criticism or writing or copywriting. And there are the jobs out there that pay decent, but it's they're few and far between. Right. And at any moment that could dry up and, and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, that's why I've just learned, like there are tons of opportunities that come up, but then, and it's no offense to those people. I understand what they're, what they have to do here. They're not making much money either, but they want to build something as well. And I've just learned that like, Hey, I understand that someone will do it for free or will do it for very cheap, but I just, and if you want to, power to you it's just remember and that if you that's, can do it like if you have the, the, the but disposable think, economic means so to do yes, it. yes but i still think in the end you have to think about how you're sort of fucking everyone over, over right because right. if everyone just goes yeah i'll do it for free because i'm able to do it for free you're fucking over the people that it changes the expectations yeah, of, of, what, of everyone else right, right? and how, how much of these things are worth so instead of getting paid a dollar a word at a good publication people are going to start going well we can just get this shit for free because there's tons of people who will do it for but if free. you want to do it like you're all yourself for like yourself if you, if you want to launch yeah. your own website and you want to write your own blog or do your own podcast like we are do it for yourself don't be doing this shit like reach out to someone and i'm glad if you want to reach out to me i'm like i'll show you how to start something up or show you how to build a website on squarespace it's not as hard as you think and like if you want to build your own portfolio or you want to try to make 
your way in this industry. I, I'm still, I don't want to discourage anyone either, but you just got to be realistic. And, and yeah, I, and, this, I think, and that article really, really brings it to a grounded totally. Place. And I, I come from the same. I mean, again, like Phil. Unfortunately, I had to kind of go. You know what? And I had a great opportunity at Show Me, right? Because it still was very much within my wheelhouse and my interests. And and social media at that time was. Not new, but social media marketing was it was interesting and, and new and well, that, also in streaming and as well. Streaming right? services, like it, right? And it didn't quite work out. And I had to go over to Rogers, and I've been very vocal about how I wasn't happy there and why I had to leave Rogers to get back to doing something that I enjoy, which is this with you and 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 talking about movies and writing about them. Um, but I got to be realistic too that I I again we don't to be completely transparent. We're not making any money off of no. this, and like I don't expect to make any money off of it i just enjoy doing it and nor do we want to it's, yeah. it's something that we just do as i mean yeah like again we do have goals for the show and we would like to you know we, we we're we're doing it on our own terms and that we get to go to uh you know press screenings and 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 talk Festivals about films and, and stuff things. like that yeah, yeah. And, and but at the same time we never we never you know think of this as like a a, a multi-million corporation or no but like again that. for me personally it's like the writing i do for cineplex or this podcast it's just building that that portfolio of stuff you can show to a company yeah. or like i can and go cineplex is hey, paying you, yeah yes good. yes yes and um and just to like build that library of stuff you can send to a company and go listen like i've done this stuff on camera i do a weekly podcast where and i f- feel like it makes me a better speaker and a better yeah like, and all it, of it that gives stuff, you more right? confidence as well yeah. just to have a conversation with somebody and and as you said to be more uh eloquent eloquent and 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 acute in in, in your in your delivery and your dialect yeah. yeah so anyways i don't want to discourage anyone and i, no. I don't think that was phil's intention either but no I think he's it's just a very, coming from his place and, and i totally yeah, understand yeah. that and i think it's great for people to read that especially if you're either want to get into this industry or are thinking about it or maybe are in this industry and you're struggling as well and like it's tough man like there's just not the old guard is Again, like you're gonna, if you have a great position at a publication or something, you're gonna keep. But that even until that's you, changing as well. Right. Like, like the the old school, you know, newspaper, newspaper companies yeah. are are having to sort of adapt to the online world, and they're getting smaller as well. And you know, you see a lot of film critics that are also teachers because that's where their their main, you know, income is. Is and that, is that makes from. sense to me, right? I've always yeah. told you that I think you'd be good at that, and I think that's where your. Well, I just want to wear tweed. Yeah. Well, I think that's where almost your again you can't sustain it sucks but like in film criticism in general is changing right with the age of social media and i think mark uh pr and marketing at these studios are realizing that like yes film critics i think are still incredibly valuable and we see with rotten tomatoes and and different well especially during a festival uh season where like yeah you know the 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 first tweets of a film you know being screened or after being it screened is is it can be make or break for you know distribution and stuff like that but also now you're seeing studios sourcing you know just regular moviegoers or people that are which i totally understand right and i think that's why we're seeing things like um with the Lego movie and we saw with what else recently that they did those Saturday screenings that uh, were a couple weeks before the movie came out and they're trying to get word of mouth from actual audiences instead of uh, even a lead cont- of battle angel right? contest winners or yeah. critics right like I think it's still valuable but when you're confident in a movie they go well why don't we do one screening on a Saturday a couple weeks before and then those people will um, 
tweet about it and send it to their friends and maybe the like and we even saw with something like um not so much aquaman but bohemian rhapsody even like uh, the critical uh reception to that movie was not so great but but it's the made, audience it's 800 million dollars yeah. later and it's 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 doing super super well and and word of mouth from from a general audience is pushing that so it's like i mean there's a sing-along version yeah. out there so it's like, interesting of like what is film criticism going to be and 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 is it sustainable as a career and i don't know what the answer is to all of that and um i think you need to be kind of a man of all man or woman of all trades nowadays to be not just uh a film critic but you have to be able to kind of well matt's uh, saying is like you should also be a plumber yeah just <laughs> i don't know you kind of have a half to second job or maybe it's an all-encompassing media job right maybe it's right. not just film you got to talk about other things television too, like, I, I mean that's kind of what um, um uh, richard krauss is doing yeah. right now with uh with pop life where it's kind of covering all forms of, of culture, media, yeah. right? And, and and talking about television, music. And, and he's adapted. He's yeah. found a way, right? But he is part of that. Um, but he had to work that, for it, though. Right, like he, totally. He's been I mean, around since the 80s. Yeah, and there's tons of those guys that we see we, on a weekly basis, right? That uh, Whether it's the Peter Howells at the Toronto Star or like uh, there's those guys and uh, they've had these jobs for a very long time. But I, I also worry that once they're ready to kind of step away and you never really step away, you usually step away from your position, but you still no, Cause we've seen that as well with, with um, uh, 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 cinema sins, right. Yeah. Where like a lot of people that um, have retired from like the Toronto sun have, that may not want to retire. Right. Um, because you know, they're being phased out or they're bringing in younger people that'll work for less or, or they're just, the departments are closing down, um, you know, where they're starting up their own companies, which, which is, that's a great thing as well to have so that, you know, like you can still work if you want to and write if you want to and do it at, at, be your own boss. Um, but on top of that, it's 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 becoming more competitive as well. Well, our friend Bonnie Lawfer too, right? Yeah. Like with the whole tribute thing and, and tribute's not quite what it was before, right? And um, uh, she's doing her own thing now and she seems to be enjoying it and, and everyone finds a way. But like you, it's just – it's Life uh, – and I'm one of those chill guys that goes, you know what, it'll all work out, and I would love to work in this industry, but if I can make a living doing something else but still enjoy this on the side, that's also okay for me, right? But um, we'll have to adapt and change. If I start getting a full-time job, we'll have to, this podcast will stay. I definitely want to continue to do it. It just might need to be um, – uh, altered a little bit or we'll have to record on weekends or something like that but uh, yeah anyways you should definitely check out phil's article shoot him a message too and or even and, follow him on, yeah. on twitter at that phil brown i mean he's he's a good guy and, and very funny yeah um and uh um you know i i whatever he does next whether it you know he he talks a little bit about it at the end of the uh, article working in, in copywriting but um I'm, i hope that he finds something that he really wants to do and and finds you know, his place and it might be better said than done, but you know, where I'm, you know, just very supportive of him and, and, and hope for the best. All right. Now let's get into talking trailers. Yeah. Hobbs and Shaw, baby. Yes. Sorry. My bad. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Eric, it is Friday, February 1st. I got a wonderful email when I woke up, woke up, woke up. 
Uh, <laughs> you were woke to this I, movie. <laughs> I was, man. And uh, it's the first thing I watched in my groggy uh, haze this morning. Right. And I've watched it multiple times. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on the uh, Hobbs and Shaw? Well, I, as, as I said in my in my retweet, uh, I'm calling it now. 2019 has, has peaked. officially peaked. Yeah. Um, this trailer is all combinations of... Uh, without ludicrous being ludicrous and funny and action-packed and again it's just so strange to step back and especially because you're going through it right now and to look what the fast and furious franchise has become and what it has you know spun off with and this being the first of what will probably be a new franchise within the fast universe Fast universe <laughs> uh, is 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 kind of interesting, and and again, like just seeing you know the 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 combination of a former CFL uh, player and a professional uh, professional wrestler, wrestler and, and an Olympic uh, diver <laughs> joining forces to become this you know dynamic duo, um, you know bringing bringing the sexy back to baldness, you know like yeah, um, it's I'm 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 all for it. It's gonna it, like it to me. It looks like it's gonna be a stupid, uh, entertaining summer movie that is just pure joy yeah and I'm, i mean if that trailer is any indication we're in for a good time yeah i like their chemistry a lot like, idris elba um, is the villain oh my with, God. The, with his it, sex with his uh, snm black outfit God. i mean it's and amazing <laughs> so to go through this that the essentially yeah this is a spinoff from fast um seven and eight i guess right and yeah and um uh and they're because well, that prison sequence in, in yeah in everyone loved right? really loved the, the chemistry between Statham and The Rock yeah. was was undeniable and it was like well we have to do a spinoff now. right and um yeah I think it has all those elements that you come to expect from the last couple Fast movies as well as Idris Elba playing the villain um you have uh, Vanessa uh, Kirby Vanessa Kirby in there who's awesome she was awesome in Mission Impossible and I can't wait to see her in this uh they're introducing like a superhuman element which is amazing like they're going like it's kind of become a comic book movie yeah and they have become superhero movies right and um it's Universal superhero franchise and um daddy's gotta go to work yeah we've we've been waiting for them to kind of go full sci-fi i think or like because they haven't really gotten to that point yet although they are fictional they're They're like basically superhero movies but now they're legitimately showcasing that idris elba has superhuman strength and that he he is an altered human and it's just like i can't believe that this point break kind of rip off has turned into this he and, almost um, looks like he's wearing the same suit that he wore in at the end of pacific rim right yeah he just borrowed that from yeah the set. but he's fucking punching through car doors and just like and it's just how it, do you now do you think for for the next hobbs and shaw movie he'll join them as a team like yeah a trio it'll like probably be a family? triple threat yeah probably he's family or, um, I don't know though. We'll see. But um, I just also like the Rock eating what was it peanut butter or something just out of the out of the the jar in the, the morning. Oh, wake, just beautiful. Six twenty five. Wake up. The song choice is awesome. <laughs> with uh, uh, what's the song? I keep thinking of you got a friend in me, but it's not you got a friend. Randy in me. Newman. Yeah. I mean, that would be that would have been great. <laughs> but uh, why what, can't we be friends? Yeah, why can't we be friends? Is yeah. great. And um, yeah, the action looks. Uh, ridiculous and over the top just as we come to expect uh the one sequence where the uh that fucking car they're driving does that like barrel roll in the air to block the fucking machine gun bullets coming at them and i just like like, you have like a guy who's kind of 
you know, still still super cool, but living a more domestic life. And then you have like the posh British spy guy who's you know drinking in London bars and yeah. having a good. Like it's just gonna be so <laughs> over the top. And I'm all in for it. And even that last sequence of like uh, them jumping out of the building and the rock jumping out of the window, and then Statham going down that uh, elevator kind of thing, and that <laughs> they, they they saw um, Tom Cruise and said, "Game on." Yeah, and then that <laughs> the rock mouthing "fuck you" to him, <laughs> like it's just great, and um, it's pure joy. And uh, I I love that they keep upping the ante, and I can only imagine where Fast Nine and Ten are going to go with Justin Lin coming back, and and. I think they're going to shoot them back to back, from what I understand, which seems to be the new trend when it comes to. But is it really new? I mean, um, look not at those new, Matrix movies. Right? Yeah, sure. But I mean, lately, I think we're seeing more and more of it, right? Or um, the Superman films, right? Because yeah. they shot one and two. Back-to-back. Fair. So they've been doing that for a while. Yeah. But, um, but I not just all think the time. When yeah. it comes to see, it's almost like we'll see how the first one does, and then we'll green light it based on the first weekend of box office revenue. Yeah, but I think when something's established like this, and they go, well, we can bring everyone back and do like a, a kind of a longer shoot, and then split these up into two different movies like right. um we i think we're seeing it a bit more and more now with the the avengers movies coming up or the end game coming up which was shot right after infinity war obviously and we're seeing that with mission impossible and now we're seeing that with the fast and furious movies and, and even more too but will we see it um, with dune who knows yeah probably um i mean but, it's also because i mean they have a lot of the same sets right like it's like it seems silly to kind of take everything down if you're going to use them again and just getting with the amount of people that are in these movies now too right like it kind of makes the most sense you just got to utilize them while you can right and um yeah scheduling is one of the most difficult things to do with any production where like to make Especially an ensemble like this too, right? Like, and I think that with Infinity War, you kind of had to do that with the that in Endgame, and then even with Fast now, which is becoming its own Avengers style kind of thing, right? You just gotta. We just can only hope Lucas Black comes back for a bigger role in Fast Nine. Back in Black. Um, I really hope the one thing that bothers me, I guess, is still uh, with. Uh, Shaw being a a hero or an anti-hero, whatever you want to call him, is that his relationship with Han, or not relationship, but what happens with him and Han, what's revealed. And, And when everyone... When they invited Shaw to the barbecue, everyone's like, fuck this guy. But, like, you, but we've talked about this before. Han is going to come back as he's a got cyborg. It, right? He's got to. With or an eye patch. That or he's like deep undercover. Yeah. Or I would love if they go back in time to save him yeah. or something like that. Or Which we've joked about. Um, like, you know, they got to go to space. And yeah. Now they've got to in- include time travel. I think space and-, and time travel are the two ones that like now that they've introduced like superhuman kind of things. And I mean, they've always had like that ridiculous usually like when it comes to like hack stuff or as saving the world like ridiculous things but right this is the first time they've gone like full sci-fi so um i think we can i mean seeing vin diesel in space would be amazing yeah um, space diesel even seeing them go back in time and have to like fucking race and drift in like the 1940s or right or go back or do yeah. you know back to the future too like where they go back Western, to the, to the like first fast and the furious movie that would be cool too right yeah. like and have to change things but i think if they do that it would be Tokyo Drift as well, going right. back to save Han or something like that. But like, that that'll be the that'll be the I, sequel name, uh, Saving Han. <laughs> I just love that we can talk about this, and it doesn't seem that out of the, like so out of unbelievable. Like yeah. these are possible things that can happen. I think in this franchise, well, soon they'll be fighting robots. Um, 
you know. Yeah, yeah, it'll be Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> right, yeah. um, Rocky Four. Right, um, but dude, I'm excited. It looks great. Um, the trailer's ridiculous. Go watch it. Um, I've watched it three or four times already. I've just had it on repeat, and um, it. Uh, I cannot wait Have for that. Have that shit on repeat. This, this year is just unbelievable when it comes to giant ridiculous. Like, right, uh, although movies. 2020 is looking it's like looking... it's going to be shaping up to be a hell of a year, too. Yeah, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, let's go into the trailer for the beach bum, which launched, uh, the second or third trailer. The, um, I th- no, I think this is the first full trailer. Oh, so the first one was a yeah, teaser. The first one's a teaser. This is a full trailer and it's, uh, the red band trailer. So there's a lot of swearing and nudity and, uh, all that good stuff you would expect from a Harmony Crin film. Um, very excited about this one as well. Um, and it opens on March 22nd. VVS Films is releasing it in Canada and Neon in the U.S. Um, Matthew McConaughey in the role that he was born to play as Moondog. Uh, <laughs> just his autobiography. And, and just, I mean, like the last... It's a biopic. The, it kind of is. I mean, it feels like he's incorporating certain things about his own life, playing the bongos and stuff like that. And um, the last bit in that trailer with Martin Lawrence playing Captain Whack, uh, you know, feeding his uh, parrot crack is... Uh, it just looks like it's just going to be just so over the top. And, and again, I'm all in for it, you know, and just seeing him kind of do what kind of almost looks like a, a solid companion piece to Spring Breakers will be uh, worthwhile. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, it looks uh, completely ridiculous and uh, going to be the perfect stoner movie. I hope they hand out fucking weed brownies or something before the right. screening. Well, to the, yeah, weed's to legal the, in uh, It in is, Canada, so, so they're allowed to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very excited for it. I have no idea what to expect. I mean, going into Spring Breakers, I had no idea what to expect, and that was something. So Right. Uh, well, what you can expect is little plot and strange idiosyncratic character interactions. Yeah. Do you think this takes place in the Spring Breakers universe? Like, do, It could, could we see, or it uh, could take place in an alternate universe as well. I don't right, know. Right. Or, it, I mean, it, it could all be in Moondog's head. Because it's also in Florida, yeah, right? Yeah, because right. he is playing a writer, or he, he, he writes on the side, so a this novel, could all be in yeah. his head. You right, know, right, that's true. It could be part of his novel that he's yeah. writing, right? The next great American novel, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it looks it looks really, really... It, we're, it's soon, man. It's like... March 22nd. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it, I guess almost two months away. It comes out the same day in Canada, at least, as as Jordan Peele's Us. Yeah. What a double bill that would be. Man, and then, uh, yeah, funny, funny stuff. But also um, what opens on uh, the 22nd uh, is a, a film that will be streaming that you are Yeah, I wanted uh, to talk about. To. So um, you guys have heard me talk about um, the kind of funny guys and, and the podcast that they do that I re- really, really enjoy. But um, – they kind of have a, a, a movie coming out that they didn't necessarily direct, but it's featuring um, Nick Scarpino, one of the podcasters in uh, in their group. Um, it's called Waiting for the Punchline. So I showed you the trailer um, uh, right before we started recording. So yeah, on uh, March 22nd, it's coming out. It's, it's basically documenting... Um, Nick's journey from podcasting into getting into the world of stand-up comedy in San Francisco. Um, Trailers... uh, 
I mean, it it's what you would expect, but it, it looks Nick's an interesting guy, and I like that they're showcasing kind of the the local San Francisco uh, comedy, comedy scene, scene yeah. and things like that. So you can tell that they're featuring some guys and and gals from from that area as well as Nick. And um, uh, yeah, Nick is just a, a a really genuine funny guy, and and I haven't been able to see any of his stand up because um, well, we had we saw the 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 fake trailer yeah, stand up, yeah, and that is pretty the, good. Waiting to get finger blasted <laughs> so stupid <laughs> these guys are like they're they're dumb but like it's their their humor is very dumb but it, and and juvenile sometimes but it's just it's it's silly and and they're really good dudes though and yeah um and uh the the movie looks good i'm i'm, I'm excited to check it out yeah so, i, yeah. I kind of like that you it's i mean again it looks like a really interesting character study where He's not taking shortcuts that are afforded to him right. to, you know, make his way in, in, in the comedy world in San Francisco. And, um, again, just highlighting the city as well and, and the people living there and um, sort of, you know, getting the idea that this is um, an interesting sort of venue to go through and, and how it can be make or break and how, you know, you learn from failing, you know, like failure is, yeah. a, is a huge part in of comedy, any, yeah. but of well, any yeah. job. I mean, talking about, you know, with Phil Brown's article, like, um, failure is, is, is so key and, and, and it's whether or not you, you can, you know, have the thick skin to take that and use and it and learn from and it and learn yeah. from it. And there, there are other documentaries that have kind of played with that a little bit in the past, uh, 10, 15 years. I think of that. It wasn't really great, but that Jamie Kennedy documentary, Heckler. Right, yeah. And then also uh, Jerry Seinfeld had a, a, a comedy documentary called The Comedian where he was kind of yep. bringing up this one guy and sort of showing you the ins and outs of, of uh, New York. And specifically the title for this references um, the uh, comedy place that he wants to perform yes. at. And it kind of reminded me in the trailer of almost like um, – uh, Nirvana the band show getting to the Reveille. Yeah, like. <laughs> no, and then uh, shout out to Nirvana the band the show. Uh, Andy, who was the other co-host on KFAF uh, when they premiered the trailer, he loves Nirvana the band the show, and they have an ongoing joke that they're trying to get Nick to watch Nirvana the band, which you didn't even know about, but that's part yeah. of that too, which is fun. Wow, I'm it. really intuitive. Yeah, today. you are. Um, uh, and but it's yeah. also playing a festival, right? Yes, it's playing the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival in Montana in the middle of February. So I don't know if we have anyone who's going to that or lives in Montana. Anna that listens to this podcast but um uh yeah they're premiering it uh they they premiered a uh work print cut of it at uh rtx last year so rooster teeth is uh the company that's producing it as well as um there's a media company as well i'm sorry i'm forgetting their name but um they produced the documentary yes it follows mostly nick but also showcases the san francisco uh comedy scene as well as some of the other members of kind of funny and rooster teeth they did a show um where uh, part of the shtick was that Nick hosted this kind of thing where they were all trying stand-up comedy for the first time to see how they would do as well. Right. So you have some of the other podcasters from Kind of Funny and Rooster Teeth that had to put together like a 10-minute comedy set and perform when they've never done it before. So I think some of that features in the film as well. Um but yeah, it looks cool. I'm excited to check it out. We're going to try and review it in March. Yeah, um, and uh, so this will be available on, on streaming services March 22nd. Yes, so it'll be available on um, Rooster Teeth's streaming service, which is called uh, Rooster Teeth First, I believe. Um, whether they put that out um, afterwards on your iTunes or other streaming services, I'm not quite sure, but it'll be available on Rooster Teeth First. 
on March 22nd. Um, so we're going to try and uh, review that for you guys. But it looks cool. Check out the trailer. I think you should be able to find it on Rooster Teeth or it's on the uh, the last week's episode of KFAF, which there's a little funny kind of fake trailer beforehand <laughs> too if you want to check that out. So uh, looks cool. And then the final thing we wanted to talk about, which will lead into our kind of Sundance recap, um, the trailer for uh, the Ted Bundy movie, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, I think is the title, right? Yeah, Shockingly the Joe Berlinger yeah. uh, narrative version, which is interesting because also right now that you can watch is the Ted the Ted Bundy files, also by which him, is, yeah, right? which is on Netflix. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, we wanted to bring this up. Uh, I don't think it's a very good trailer. I don't think um, it really even feels like a trailer per se. Like it almost feels like a promo for distribution purposes. Like you show this as a sizzle reel to buyers, and they're like, "Oh, okay, this is something we would you know pick up for distribution." Yeah. And uh, my biggest problem was that it just looked cheap and ugly, and uh, the music choices were. I didn't think, like, I just... There's I, no form to it. No, it just and kind I of get, feels like it's throwing everything at yeah. you that you kind of would expect in the movie. But it, for a trailer or a piece of marketing, I think it kind of fails. And then, um, you know, there's been an, uh, an ethical debate on yeah. it as well that um, that we were talking about before Nevis specifically brought yeah. up, you know, that it's kind of glorifying or idolizing Ted Bundy as and kind of a weird like American a handsome, folk yeah. hero. And, you know, Ted Bundy was far from that as a person but i mean maybe that's not the movie itself it's just the Agreed. trailer being I, and that can be the disconnect right because uh you're not necessarily when you make the movie the filmmakers aren't necessarily involved in the marketing right all yeah. the time so like they decided to take this route of this like this kind of like smirky handsome ted bundy in this trailer which is like i understand that that's how he was sort of perceived back in the day but the way that it's showcased in this trailer i can understand people going like this is kind of gross how you're kind of marketing this movie um but i mean i didn't necessarily get that i just thought it was a piss poor trailer and it didn't really make me interested in the no. movie like it just kind of looked like a directed video kind of like you you got this production company that doesn't really know what they're doing to make well, a it's trailer. high, high like, voltage um yeah. is the financier the the company that kind of put it all together and i think it does it has canadian distribution vvs is releasing it but there's still it's one of the few films actually at sundance that didn't get picked up now it had a divisive reaction but not as much as you'd expect it to like it seemed like everybody's like ah it's okay for what it is or like the story it's telling that we we're kind of familiar with if you've seen any documentaries or archival footage of the bundy case or um you know tv specials but it it actually didn't have the controversy behind it that the way that you know Lars von Trier's House of Jack did you know that and that's what that I kept would. bringing up is like um I think again we talked about it before that these movies should be allowed to be made and you should judge them after you see them not necessarily by the marketing right, right. but uh, you can judge the marketing for what it is but I mean you get a um, sense of what the movie is trying to convey and I, I think um from everything I've read what the movie really is trying to focus on is his first wife's perspective and sort of seeing it through her point of view and not his. Right. But the trailer or promo or whatever you want to call it still very much, you know, is, is kind of 
playing it at the angle of like, you know, this is Zac Efron breaking out of his, uh, you know, uh, Disney mode a little bit. I mean, he has done other stuff, but like this is like him going to the extreme, you know, like this is him becoming the monster that, you know, uh, America kind of uh, fawned over in, in this in in the 80s. And, and you know, like it's it's him kind of playing against type. Yeah. Um, and whether or not that works, it'll be interesting. It's probably gonna, going to be better than the Mark Harmon TNT uh, TV movie special that they did in the, in the late 80s, early 90s uh, called Deliberate Man. But um, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know if people should judge this trailer specifically, but as the marketing that they have released, it's not very good. Right. I agree completely. All right, let's get into the news. So uh, speaking of Sundance, you wanted to kind of go over a little bit of a recap of some of the acquisitions and things that are going on on Sundance. Yeah, I just find it, I I always find this kind of stuff interesting just because um, this is the beginning of uh, a new season of films, a slate that will be um, sort of dissecting and looking at throughout the rest of the year and, you know, potential word players and um, what distributors pick up what and how they sort of market their, um, you know, their, their, their movies to um, sort of uh, mainstream audiences and, and art house cinemas. So you have... Um, a lot of uh, buying going on more so than than they did last year because last year it seemed uh, everybody was a little more apprehensive towards picking anything up um, specifically um, with uh, Fox Searchlight buying duds like uh, uh, Steps and Patty Cakes and then also a couple years ago when they bought Birth of a Nation which tanked horribly but now you have um, Amazon and Neon specifically really opening uh, their checkbook and buying quite a bit. Amazon uh, bought the Mindy Kaling uh, written uh, late night for over 13 what, like thirteen million, million dollars. Uh, Britney runs is it, is it just called Britney runs or, or or with Jillian Bell? Yeah, I know what one you're talking uh, which about. They but... spent even more on that, which was like fourteen or fifteen million dollars. The report, uh, Scott Z Burns, who wrote uh, Contagion and Side Effects, and is kind of a protege of Britney uh, runs a marathon. Runs so, a marathon. Yeah. Uh, not Sarah prefers to run, which is actually a really solid little <laughs> yeah, Canadian it is, film. Yeah. Um, uh, the report with uh, uh, Adam Driver, uh, which was also. Um, being touted now as a, as an awards contender, and then Neon, which is this smaller um, company, um, has been picking up a lot. They they bought uh, the Lodge Little Monsters with uh, Hulu, uh, um, Lucy, which is um, with Tim Roth and Tim Roth and Naomi Watts. Um, there was something else that they, uh, Monos. Uh, which they bought. So they those are the two um, big distribution companies that have been buying a lot, where then Searchlight this year hasn't bought anything. Netflix didn't buy anything as of yet. Um, the, the other, the kind of the, the, the most interesting one in terms of a bigger company was uh, New Line Cinema picking up Blinded by the Light, which is kind of um, a young Pakistani boy being inspired by Bruce Springsteen's music in the right. 1980s, uh, 1987, I think specifically where a lot of people are saying this is like a once or sing street type thing but new line being a part of warner brothers i mean that's they see something in there that's going to be commercial about it so it's it's been interesting in that regard and we've seen you know people like jake howell talk about stuff he's he seems to be pretty um adamant about that lucy movie that that was picked up so oh yeah yeah 
yeah, I've been sort of following along, but I, um, uh, it kind of, Sundance, I, it just, I've been following along with some of the reactions and I saw some of the acquisitions, but, um, I mean, it makes sense that Amazon, Amazon has so much money to, uh, throw around. Right. So that kind of makes sense that they are huge players. Is there anything that caught your attention that you didn't know before the festival or during it that you're kind of like, well, now this is on my radar. I really would like to check this out when it, when it eventually gets a release or plays at TIFF even. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I guess late night was the one that I, I thought was interesting because um, I do. I think Mindy Kaling is is very talented and very funny, and I like the idea of Emma Thompson being a late night talk show host for 20 years, and it's about her career. And then I I even was thinking about it, and I'm like, fuck, man, like our late night lineup of hosts needs some diversity right. <laughs> some change man because like I, put, I i was like i don't know if i'm the right person to tweet about this or joke about it but like uh just the lineup of, of white men that we have i'm like oh it would have been interesting if we had someone like emma thompson who was not her exactly but like who did have a long career as a late night host or something like that and it just shows you how kind of bland the late night lineup is right now i think and Bland and white. Um, yeah. And Although, I, I mean, even like, being not, a, not a white man. Not away from like, someone like Stephen Colbert, who I really no, like. But same. But, but yeah, like, like it just feels like you're just getting the same The same thing. Exactly. Yeah, the same guys. And they all do slightly different things. But James Corden to Jimmy Fallon to uh, Jimmy Kimmel to Conan O'Brien to uh, Seth Meyers to uh, what do all these people have in common? And I am a, a white male as well. But like it's just you want different perspectives and something a little bit different. And, and, um, I, I like the idea of this and I am very interested and I think it'll be funny and charming and, and, uh, Amazon seems like the right place for it. And I like that they right. do do a theatrical distribution. Cause originally it was and... supposed to be, uh, directed by Paul Feig as well. Oh, and, yeah. and it had finance, like it was, I think universal was going to release it or, or it was already at a studio, but it kind of fell through. And the person that, that kept it going was Mindy Kaling. Like she Which is great. just, you know, was completely committed to it. Um, of the movies that already had distribution that I'm still very curious about. Fighting with my family. Fighting with my family. <laughs> Although, I mean, I'm not it against. It got decent reviews. Yeah, I'm not against. They said it's a against, pretty basic yeah. sports movie. but like. um, Is uh, The Nightingale. I'm yes. sure that it's going, like from everything I've read, it looks like it's going to be brutal yeah. uh, and tough to watch. But I, what I didn't realize about it, or, or I, I, I probably read about it and forgot about it, was that it's in it's in the Academy ratio of 4 by 3 Oh, okay, um, cool. But it's supposed to be extremely violent yeah. and disturbing and, and what have you. But there's another movie that's also kind of bleak that hasn't been picked up for distribution yet that I'm kind of curious about reading the synopsis. And, and apparently the performances are really good. It's called Clemency. And it's about a, a prison ward warden who uh, oversees um, death row inmates and watches the executions and how that kind of takes a toll on her. Uh, and, and the lead's played by uh, Alfre uh, Woodard. Okay. Um, and it just sounds kind of interesting. And, and even though it's not my favorite uh, movie of his, the, um, when Werner Herzog did the Death Row documentary Into the Abyss, there are scenes in that movie that really stuck with me about talking about like how you know people that work within you know the process of executing people, how it really affects them, and, and you just you don't you're not the same person anymore and Mm -hmm. and it's a horrible experience and you know for whether or not the person deserves to die or what have you is a debate but you know having to go through that process and see it it over and over again i think that could 
really lend itself to an interesting psychological study. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Sundance is always an interesting time. I usually don't. We would have loved to go this year. Um, next year, we're going to really try, mm-hmm. um, which would be awesome. But uh, I usually kind of wait and see how when these things eventually either come to TIFF or uh, other things like that. And I'll be curious to see. It's, it, it is interesting, though, that only a few things got major, major pickups. Right. But then there's stuff that is, well, that, you know, like opinion-wise that, um, that you hear that is sold for over, you know, 10, 15 million dollars. <clears throat> assassination nation um and when you watch it you're infuriated by that this is the movie that is going to you know get a decent marketing campaign and attention when right. something else is just as worthy and doesn't right so uh moving on uh a ton of dune casting in the last yes. uh couple weeks so for those of you that don't know uh denny villeneuve is uh making his version of dune uh frank herbert's Dune. yeah coming out 2021 or 2020 i would probably assume 2020 but i can see them taking longer on this because set design production schedule all that stuff is going to play a huge factor and i don't know when they start shooting i think it's probably gonna it's gotta be soon probably the spring this, or summer yeah right? with all this casting so um, uh timothy chalamet was announced as the lead yeah uh playing the kyle mclaughlin character yeah paul atreus <laughs> yeah i don't know all the character names sorry you can fill people in um but the cast is rounding out um we this week i mean some of these were this week some of these were previously but uh oscar isaac uh seems to be confirmed Confirmed. Yeah, as um, uh, Chalamet's dad. Yep. Yeah, uh, we got Stellan Skarsgård. As the uh, uh, main villain. Cool. He's going to uh, be this pus floating creature oh in a fat suit. Yeah. Dave Bautista, um, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, Charlotte Rampling. Uh, and then this week we heard that Oscar Isaac is playing his father, Timothy Chalamet's father, yep. correct? Yeah, I said that, yeah. And then, uh, sorry, did you already say that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, sorry. Are you even that. listening to me? No, I'm in a haze. I'm hungry as shit, man. I can't wait to eat. Tyree stuff. Um, we hungry. And then Zendaya was just announced yeah. as the love interest. Zendaya Shanri. <laughs> uh, very excited for this, man. This cast is Yeah, and we're crazy. still only and, like... A fraction. A fraction. Of- like, there's like this ensemble is a huge ensemble. There's still tons of roles, to, like significant roles to cast. So I'm curious to see when it's all said and done and everything is ready to I go. I heard a rumor about Jake Gyllenhaal possibly, but yeah, um, I mean it would be that's. I mean that would be nice just to see those two get back together again. I mean, like they seem to be good friends, and obviously, I think uh, w- whether or not you like prisoners is one thing, but I mean, Villeneuve got really good performances out of him in both that movie and enemy so um and they were trying to do a joe nesbo adaptation of the sun yeah for a while and i don't know if that's still on the docket at some point with jake Hall's production company but um uh yeah i mean it, that would be cool i don't know what role maybe he'd play the sting role that's a good <laughs> role oh yeah um but like he would really be over the top in that movie. well i mean him in uh God, the Netflix movie. Um, oh, Velvet Buzzsaw. No, Bel- Vel- Velvet and uh, about the elephant. What the? Not the elephant pig thing. <laughs> what, the elephant pig thing? No, come on. Why am I blanking? Uh, Okja. Okja. The elephant the, pig what, thing. What's, what is it? I forget. It's like a hippo. It's a hippo. But he's a go. pig. Yeah. It's a hippo a pig. pig. Yeah. Yeah. But he's very over the top in that. Yeah. I thought he was oh, great. Yeah. I thought he's great. So <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't remember Okja for a second. I'm like, elephant pig? Something. You're really hungry. Yeah. Dude, I'm starving. And now being vegetarian. 
vegetarian is just uh, I'm like just gotta keep constantly eating um, vegetables. But yeah, man, you burn calories quicker, right? Yeah, like you gotta you gotta. Oh, all we had was a croissant, and I've had a fucking gigantic iced coffee, so I'm like jittery now and yeah. just need to eat something. But, you got the jitters. Um, sounds awesome. Cannot wait for it. Yeah, um, I think he's the perfect guy to be doing this. This and cat. Greg Frazier's the cinematographer yeah. too, and the uh, the cast unbelievable can't wait to see who else gets added yeah really really cool um we got our dc movie recap oh Um, yeah this was huge i mean it is i mean i'll give them credit like we reviewed aquaman we both thought it was surprisingly kind of okay yeah (laughs) um which is the bar is not very high but let's um, celebrate mediocrity more i think we're starting to see where dc will be going in the future i mean we still don't really know but it seems they like they're almost standalone movies. and they're doing soft reboots yeah. mostly on everything right like even films where they are bringing back actors and characters that were part of the dceu i'm using air quotes um with things like uh suicide squad 2 which seems like uh james gunn is writing and directing and will have a completely new new cast other than maybe harley quinn is in there somewhere but then there's also the birds of prey movie which is coming out and they did a you guys can check out online much like they did with joker they did like a costume screen test kind of video yeah um pseudo trailer but really it's not really a trailer they're just character shots but it's just um, actors standing around in wardrobe and and looking at the camera and And, you know what the one thing i will say is that margot robbie does seem very like she's passionate about this character and it's not just like i'm contractually obligated to do another one of these like she wants to to make this right yeah and like suicide squad obviously didn't work but um an all-female-led kind of dc villains kind of movie sounds kind of it could be cool and i like the look like with the joker and suicide squad or i mean birds of prey um even though they're just character shots, like I like the Harley Quinn look in this of like, and I like that like uh, Joker has that '70s New York vibe to it, and then um, Birds of Prey kind of has an '80s vibe. Obviously, Wonder Woman has an '80s vibe to it too, and I think they're really kind of embracing some of that stuff. And then even with we got a release date for the Batman, uh, Matt Reeves the Batman, which is going to be 2021 in the summer. Yes. Um, and right? and then yeah, and he's yeah. also specifically has said that this is going to really focus on batman as a detective Detective, like a noir detective story with a rogues gallery which i think is great because um if he makes this into a film noir a neo-noir comic book film and really takes advantage of batman as a sleuth um that really hasn't been done much in films. You've seen it a little bit in the Nolan movies and even in the Adam West uh, yeah. version, but you haven't like a full on detective story would be great. Um, and I think it's the smart way to kind of approach the material and do something fresh where um, it could be, you know, a beginning of a, a franchise or just a really good one-off. Mm-hmm. And the, well, it's supposed to be a trilogy from my understanding, but then the big news coming out of that is it seems like it's official, although it's not it's official, but like, uh, it seems like Ben Affleck is not coming back yeah. um, as as Batman. Well, they keep Wayne. saying we're going to focus on a, a younger young, Batman, yeah. but how? But what does young mean? Does it mean like are we going with somebody in their in in their twenties, or are we going to go with somebody in their thirties, or are we going to go with someone around Affleck's age, just a different actor? Like, yeah, yeah, because Affleck's not that old. Like he's in his forties, right? Forty five, forty six. Yeah, um, which I but mean, they had him playing an older Batman. Yeah, right? the grizzled like, Batman. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like. 
that's the one thing I'm not the biggest fan of is I I just I I kind of wish that they had somebody already cast as the new Batman so we don't have to go through weeks and months of speculation, speculation yeah. and fan predictions and stuff like that. Well there that. was that rumor back where Jake Gyllenhaal was almost attached to it but then he went to Spider-Man yeah. far from home so I doubt that. Which happen, I think part but... of that was I mean it, it, you know playing a villain in one of these movies you're not you know, obligated to have to come back for, you know, multiple films where it's like, you know, when you take on the role of a superhero, it's like, okay, well, this is going to be not just a one-off deal. This is me committing to a franchise and, you know, I'm going to have, it's with Daniel Craig with the Bond movies where like, you know, he's probably missed a lot of opportunities having to, you know, go off and do Quantum of Solace or Skyfall and not having to do an interesting, you know, movie in between and getting to do something like, you know, Fincher's Girl the Dragon Tattoo really was a struggle for him to fit into his schedule. Yeah, totally. So, um, DC's... My bet is Adam Driver, though. I'd kind of like Adam yeah? Driver as Batman. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That'd be interesting, man. That'd be weird. Um, Come and, on, man. And then... Fit Kylo Ren uh, as Batman? Sure. I'm, you know I'm down, but I'm, I'm DTF with anyone, really. But um, Super Pets is the other one that seems like it'll probably be in the style Nick of maybe Cage, uh, Teen voicing, Titans Go. Uh, Superman's dog yeah. or cat. <laughs> we wish. Um, but it, probably more so in the style of Teen Titans Go, right. probably, right? Well, you'd Something hope like so, because like if they took that seriously, I mean... Could you imagine like the dark Zack Snyder version of Super Pets? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that's the DC stuff all coming out in the next couple of years. So we'll see how Joker, um, kind of lands this year. And then we have, uh, their slate coming up for the next couple of years, which is interesting. The James Gunn thing don't really have much to say other than make sense, but also very weird. It seems like the, the JJ Abrams thing of going from Star Trek to Star Wars. Right. Um, but also Suicide Squad kind of took its cues from Guardians and his yeah, it was a poor, a piss poor imitation. Yeah. So of get the real guy to do <laughs> yeah. it, and at least maybe now it'll work yeah. or the formula that he applies. Because I actually do see him making that kind of the vulgarity and the. If they of... let him go a little bit even darker than Guardians, even and yeah. get back to his. His, uh... Well, we'll see also with Brightburn coming out as well how, you know, like he subverts the comic book style of filmmaking and, and you know, like how that plays and maybe Warner. Yeah, I think Warner Brothers will let him do what he wants. Yeah, it might not be R-rated, but uh, I mean, we'll see with the Joker movie too of what the hell that's going to be. But uh, I mean, rating wise. That still is a, the one of the biggest question marks of 2019. Like, how is that going to play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very. Well, we should get a trailer for a lot of these things kind of soon. I mean, and speaking of Zack Snyder, we can go into this next. Um, he has a, a new film coming up. So uh, he signed on to do Army of the Dead at Netflix. So uh, back to his, uh, I guess, roots per se of uh, his his feature debut of, of Dawn of the Dead. Um, so it is a... Uh, zombie heist film uh, set around uh, Las Vegas during uh, a zombie outbreak. And I think Las Vegas is a quarantine zone. So it's about a group of mercenaries or something like that who plan a heist in Las Vegas during this quarantine zone, kind of in a right. zombie outbreak. Uh, cool concept. Um, he he threw some shade at Warner Brothers in DC saying that like, oh, uh, the gloves are off on this one. Like I don't have to be handcuffed to kind of doing what someone tells me to do because Netflix are, is that company that kind of gives you a pile of cash and says, yep, we trust you. Go do, do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. So um, 
I know you said that um, this works for you because Dawn of the Dead is probably his his best film in your eyes, right? Yes. Um, but I also will say this. The Zack Snyder that directed Dawn of the Dead is a different Zack Snyder who is now working on Army of the Dead. And sure. I think that – well, what I'm talking about is that, you know, some of the, the, the Matrix-esque influences that he applied in the DC movies and Sucker Punch weren't – really as prominent in yeah. Dawn of the Dead. Like Dawn of the Dead was just like a fast paced action horror movie. But you can, um, you can hope that, I mean, he'll still probably utilize way too much slow motion. Yeah. Right? And that's what I'm nervous about because that's what I like about Dawn of the Dead. It's just a straightforward, um, take no prisoners remake of Romero's classic. And it does its own thing really well. And it's almost more so him doing a version of 28 days later than anything else. Right. Um, just with you know the idea of them still being in a in a, in a shopping mall, um, and some really gross um, uh, practical effects. I mean, the stuff with Mackay Pfeiffer and the and the zombie baby was like I was like, wow, this is this is pretty bold for a for studio yeah. movie. So I, I'm I'm hoping that he'll have that in there, but maybe he'll scale back on his sort of recent aesthetic, or maybe think maybe I should go back to to the basics and sort of how I played with you know, my first film and yeah. sort of make it sort of a, a, a symmetrical companion piece in that regard, stylistically speaking. It's good to see him bounce back. It's not, again, he's, he's a guy that, again, maybe that I don't necessarily cheer for. Like I talk about with M night or someone like that, because like, but I did stick up for, I do like Dawn of the dead. I even 300 was a movie I didn't really care for, but uh, no, I'm but I mean, 300s then... had a very, there's been that Sin City and and 300 have had a huge impact on the you know uh, direct comic book adaptations yeah. and especially again with and Watchmen the, as well the, yeah say. and the style of it and, and Watchmen I don't I think like is a Watchmen, great movie but, but I think it's a fascinating film to watch and especially the director's cut which is a better version of what was supposed like it that's the version that made the most sense maybe without the stuff with the black freighter that's a super director's cut, yeah but right? i'm talking like about the stuff with, with like stephen mccaddy yeah. being i gotta go back and back watch that there's there, a good yeah. 4k i think of the director's cut that i yeah. i would like to go back and watch but it is quite the investment as well and, and i'm also very curious about the, that damon lindelof series now dude like did that. you see that like a little bit of footage yeah. that was released i didn't watch all of it because it had some game of thrones stuff in that sizzle reel and i didn't want to watch it because i'm still making my way through where I've, are you I'm now still in season five yeah. i just haven't gotten back <laughs> i like as um, you're talking to me you have your hoodie up <laughs> yeah yeah i'm fucking hungry man um <laughs> you're hungry man yeah uh but yeah i'm I, i'm curious to see what he'll do um sticking with monsters um uh, <laughs> the dark universe is dead and risen from its ashes is uh some universal monster movies that are getting set up so it's got um, an upgrade Ooh, yeah lay wannell Lee, uh, Lee, Lee 1L. Uh, yeah. Lee 1L, uh, who you guys might know from, uh, as Eric mentioned, Upgrade last year or one of the original writers of the first Saw movie. And the um, Insidious films. And the Insidious films is doing Invisible Man over at uh, Universal. So basically... And he got rid of Johnny Depp. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> yes, that's wonderful. So yeah. um, basically Universal has canned the dark universe. Uh, they are going to be doing a series of Universal Monster movies, uh, but doesn't seem like they will be connected. But who knows, right? Like it. it wants... I think there can be references, yeah. but but this is the smart way to go about it because even though the the, the monster movies of the 1930s, um, 
you know, created a universe, it wasn't necessarily intentional at the time. It was just like, you know, we have all these players that we can throw into all these different films from Lon Chaney Jr. to Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff. And it just kind of happened where like they were kind of forcing this and, and trying to make it as if it were a, a Marvel-esque franchise. And you know, right. you need to work up to that. You exactly. To Get to your to Monster that. Squad later. Yeah. Like, like or, I mean, or literally make a Monster Squad uh, remake. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, man. I, I don't I don't have much to say other than I think he's a good choice. I, I thought yeah, I mean, he, he, and... he likes the genre, and I'm sure he'll play with the idea of the, the concept of, you know, invisibility and have fun. And, and I mean, part of it is just being clever and remember I mean, hollow man sure do paul verhoven man mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh paulie v one of my earliest memories of seeing a very disturbing movie as a child yeah that's still a very disturbing film i'm kind of nervous to have ever rewatch. i that know movie. i feel like it's hella uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> i just remember they could kevin bacon yeah even invisible some really uncomfortable like rape scenes and stuff right yeah. and then um i remember the one scene that always traumatized me as a kid is when the guy falls and hits his neck on oh that, yeah yeah on yeah. that fucking pole and in classic uh verhoven it's just fucking graphic and disgusting I, at least that's what i remember it yeah. being but anyways remember kevin bacon listening to like dated 90s heavy metal in a car and um, that one scene where he kills the the invisible dog for barking. And, yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a movie I haven't seen in a very long time, but yeah. Josh Brolin's in that too. And it was with the shoe. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Any other thoughts on on that? No. I mean, I I I like the Universal monster movies. Hated the Mummy. Um. So you know, if this is just you know a low budget invisible uh, man movie, that's you know. Play, paying tribute to what the Claude Rains version was, then it's fine. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to some Oscars talk. We only got a couple more things left. So um, oh, we're still on the Oscars. No, nah, just quickly. Um, so it seems like all five musical performances uh, from the nominees will be performing during the ceremony. So there was, I don't know if we talked about it, but last week or the week before, a rumor came out that only two of the performances were invited which was kendrick lamar and lady gaga and bradley cooper correct right no yeah those yes, are the yeah. two yeah yeah um and then now yesterday um another report came out and it seems like in a uh solidarity thing uh uh the two performances said no we want you to do all five of them because that's not really fair um so now it seems like everyone will be performing all five uh, songs and uh, not all together, obviously. Yeah. But um, so Buster Scruggs uh, himself, Tim Blake Nelson, will take the stage and be singing his heart out. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. So uh, not Let much me tell else. You, Again, buddy, I'm, I'm <laughs> there's a faster gun. Um, I'm very curious of how this ceremony will play out with no host. And right. I mean, five musical performances now. You have time to fill out. But what's shitty is that we are still. Um, cutting some of the technical awards to commercial breaks, and then we'll get maybe a montage later in the ceremony. But uh, cinematography being the one that seems like the most egregious. Not that yeah. the not. To, well, could you imagine they they did that like they did that with when Roger Deakins won? Like, like in cinematography's, I mean, all of them. I think like it's what kind of sucks about this whole thing is that you're these hardworking people where this is their only time to shine really. Right. Yeah. Like they don't really get much credit. Their moment in like, the sun, their spotlight. Yeah. But and... then you're, you're eliminating that to give 
celebrities more time to say whatever they want, which we see all the time. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah, we're kinda... going to get, we're going to get a speech from Rami Malek saying how Freddie Mercury, he channeled Freddie Mercury and that he was looking over him and all this bullshit about that and him denying or saying that he didn't know anything about Brian Singer. Um, and, and yet we're not going to get, you know, the people that worked hard on, uh, the sound mixing and editing of a film having their moment. Yeah. Okay. It does like, you're not interested in it and it's quote unquote, the bathroom break of the, of the, the award ceremony, but still give that to them. That's all. I mean, that's, it's just their moment, man. I actually qu- like like when those people that you never hear from kind of get up and get to have their moment. So um, it kind of sucks. But um, I'm glad all five musical performances, I guess. I don't know. Like uh, Tim Blake Nelson will be the highlight. I think that'll yeah. be kind of fun. So I'm uh, excited for that. And then finally, our last uh, piece of news. Uh, not much to talk about here because we can speculate all we want of what this is. But um, Christopher Nolan's uh, next film has a release date, which is uh july 2020 and it uh what they say it's it's an event film and it's going to be released in imax obviously yes so and i can also predict it'll be shot on film i can guarantee that there was that whole thing going back with him and uh soderbergh kind of joking around with each other at sundance right yeah Um, so yeah soderbergh was promoting uh high flying bird um at slam dance shot on iphone (laughs) on an iphone and nolan sent in a question saying when are you going to go back to film and um, they're good buddies. They're just they're just razzing on each other because Soderbergh was the guy that got Nolan's foot in the door with Insomnia, and you know, like, um, although Soderbergh seems to be very humble about it, and like, you know, like he would have gone in anyways. But, right, right. Um, yeah. It, it, so it'll be interesting. I'm sure we'll be talking about it in the weeks to come when we hear more news. I'm sure probably it'll start production maybe this summer or or spring, and um, it'll be interesting to see obviously what it is like will he you know do another period film or will he do something that's more contemporary what genre is it going to play in there's still many many mysteries to be uh, unraveled in christopher nolan's next film but it's just exciting to know that he's he's getting ready to shoot another film so soon after dunkirk because he usually does it every two years right so mm-hmm. well i mean i guess this this makes sense right being yeah. a 2020 release date and um yeah we have no idea what this could be what i would like it to be would be getting back into uh, something more science fiction-y more than like, I mean, I like Dunkirk. I think it's an excellent movie, but I like Nolan when he's doing um, kind of the, uh, like something like Inception or even the Prestige has some sci-fi elements to it and stuff like that. Or yeah. The Batman There movies, have been but... old projects that have been rumored, like his Howard Hughes biopic. Right. I he... can't, I don't know. Well, he, he really wants I to know. still do I that. Just... I don't know if this will be it, but. If they're um... calling it an event movie. I don't know if. A but Howard's I think they're just calling Howard. it an event film because it is Christopher IMAX Nolan. And it's IMAX. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess Dunkirk would have been an event movie too, right? I mean, Christopher but, Nolan could make Memento now, and it would be called an event, event film. Yeah, right. Someone mentioned that, <laughs> the, like, following an event film, him doing a full blown horror movie would be cool, right? Um, well, I think I, I mean Nolan's going to play into his strengths, and it there will probably be some action aspect to it, or um, some spectacle in the set pieces and. Uh, unfortunately, women will not have really great roles in in the film, or none at all. Well, be we, like Dunkirk. Yeah, we hope there will be. Some He's good just remaking roles. the thing. Uh, that'd be cool, man. <laughs> I'd be down for that. 
All right. Wow, we're wrapped early on this one. Uh, hour 56, here. Wow. <laughs> um, but that's been this 19th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Um, as always, thank you so, so much for listening if you've made it this far and if you make it this far every week. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you could head over to uh, iTunes or your podcast service of choice and, and give us a rating both on this podcast as well as Untitled Movie Reviews, we'd really, really appreciate that. Um, but if you want to find more of my work, um, you can find find it over at uh, cineplex.com as well as untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Rohrbeck. And if you want to uh, watch some of my video reviews I recently posted one of Miss Paula. You can uh, go over to uh, rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and you can also follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at em6211 and if you want to follow me on Letterboxd it's just Eric Monster Eric Marchin. Yeah, Eric Monster. Are, no. Aren't you EM6211 on Letterboxd? Oh, I probably am too? as well. But yeah, I mean yeah. you can still type in just Eric Marchin. Yeah, Letterboxd. You should definitely find us both on there. Are you getting notifications now from yeah. Letterboxd? I kind of like it though. I, I do too. I, but yeah. I, I, yesterday just caught me by surprise. Yeah, I it's, it's like, a brand new thing oh, wow. that they, they just introduced. But yeah, we're obsessed with Letterboxd. So go on there and, and follow us on there too. Uh, enjoy uh, Super Bowl weekend if you uh, participate in that or uh, if you're only watching it to see what movie trailers and stuff we're going to get. But... <laughs> it's, it's just an excuse to eat pork rinds. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah, which I I don't do anymore. But I'm excited to see what uh, we haven't really seen what movie trailers and stuff are going to. No, kinda... but there is a great Joe Pesci ad out. Oh there. yeah, check that. <laughs> it's just him <laughs> sitting on a couch. It's very interesting. God bless him. Uh, all right, we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, uh, keep on drinking iced coffee in the winter. <laughs> see ya. <laughs>